G'day everyone and welcome to another Bloody Movie Podcast. I'm Sean Coates, thank you so much for joining me. And today, my special guest is here to talk about some movies. It's Eric Tischer, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Hey Sean, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Alright, so I want to start, so we'll get on to what we thought was the best and worst movies of 2016 in just a moment. But first, you were lucky enough to go see an early screening of the Oscar contender Moonlight. Yeah, I was. You know, saw the movie, uh, early screening, its premiere or whatever. Uh, my thoughts on the film I thought it was really good I don't know if it's good as all critics are saying it's oh, really? like fucking best movie ever I'm allowed to swear it's fine it's <laughs> a know, podcast um, yeah I don't, I don't know about you know everyone saying it's like you know best movie year or best movie in the last decade with a crazy like boyhood uh, reviews you know 99 mm, Metacritic it looks, it looks a lot like boyhood from the trailers oh, and yeah, like that yeah it, there, there are similarities um, with Moonlight to boyhood I guess you can call it the boyhood of, of the slums, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I kind of forgot where the movie was set. I think it was in uh, it's Miami. Mo- oh, yeah. But is it set modern day or is it's, it... Yeah, the, it's... Or oh, the child... When, when he's a child, is it set like in the 90s or... Like, yeah, I think it's set in the or? past when he's a child and eventually goes to modern day. Oh, they don't I don't. They don't really have any dates or anything to, to establish what um, time it is. It's just a different aesthetics uh, for... Which part? Because the movie has three parts to it. Um, has the protagonist when he's you know just a kid in elementary school, then him in high school, and then um, uh, him as an life. adult. Yeah. yeah. So um, give just a quick little rundown of like the plot. So it's in three different um, time periods in his life, and yeah. so what's it actually about? Is it just about his life? Or yeah, it's just just about the characters, like a character study, really. Um, the, the whole movie is just told from um, the protagonist's perspective, perspective, um, and the cinematography. Cinematography is very intimate, where it's uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot tracking, of, a lot of close ups. Yeah, well. um, yeah, a lot of close ups and zooms and um, and all that. But it's like, um, yeah, very intimate uh, camera work with like. It's not really like right into the the protagonist's face, but the the camera's always with him, and there's you know there's no cut into like the protagonist's always there. So it's from his perspective, there's no cut into like any other character doing something else. Oh well, that rarely happens. So this, as you know, this won um, best motion picture drama at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Do you think that it was worthy of that? Oh, I think so. Well, out of the dramas I've seen this year, this is probably one of the strongest, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, this, the film had some very strong performances. Actually, all the performances were really, really good. They were very realistic, very convincing. Like, no melodramatic shit at all. It's, you know, they, the, the, the actors really played out their characters really well to a point where you, you, you would sort of believe that, like, a person like this could exist in real life. It's not just a fictional mm, character yeah, or anything yeah, like yeah. this. Yeah, they feel like real people. They feel like real people. They're portrayed uh, very well. And... Yeah, like as I said, no over dramatic, no dramatic acting. It's it's all it all feels very real. Like, um, you know, the characters they they converse in a in a very civil manner, and you know when dramatic stuff's happening, like, yeah, um, you know. So it kind of feels like a documentary for a lot of the movie, in a way. Yeah, in a sense, the film does feel like it's shot in a pseudo documentary sense. Where, as I said before, the cinematography is very intimate, and there's like a lot of uh, tracking with the camera, just being like handheld camera work, right. that type of stuff. And 
yeah, like, like there's there's not like a whole heap of you know cutting to different areas. Like the the film will take its time to allow the camera to just wander with the characters mm-hmm. while they're walking through the neighborhood. So you know you get a real sense of, of where they live, what the environment's like, and all that. All right. Is it is it fairly slow moving? Is it more of a slow burn movie, or is it kind of is it fairly evenly paced? Or it's very it evenly bit- paced. I find. Um, I, I mean, there is. There's not like the ending isn't. I won't yeah. spoil the ending, yeah. but I'm there's not a like bar. a huge payoff at the end. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the the last parts of the film, the the, the final act, I guess you can say, uh, it's it's very interesting how it's played out. Um, when these uh, when the protagonist meets up with his uh, old boyfriend, I guess you can say, or his friend at mm, least. Okay. Um, I don't really want to spoil the ending at all. Yep, please. I haven't seen it yet, yeah. so please don't. No, I won't, I won't do that to you. So, yeah, the, the ending might throw some people off, I guess. I mean, the the whole movie, it's it's not really... Your, your traditional... It's not told how you would expect it to be as, like, a film uh, about a kid growing up in the slums and, you know, he's a homosexual in a... Uh, Negro in, an, able, in an urban environment, in an urban where that's environment. kind of like look, like frowned upon, and that's like, frowned upon, like not... and you know the, the the protagonist gets harassed for that. He gets bullied because mm. you know people suspect he's homosexual, which he is in the film. Um, I mean, the good thing about the movie yeah. is that they don't. Yeah, the, like, the trailer kind of hints at that a little bit. But yeah, the like movie they hints. Never... At, they never flat out says that. Oh, well, the he, movie he doesn't, doesn't flat out show out that he's yeah, homosexual. Yeah. Like you can tell he's homosexual the way like. Yeah. Um, he glanced at people, um, mm. you know, and, just just by observing the characters. Yeah. Little... And, and I've heard that the lot, like the third act of this movie is pra- practically a relationship drama between him and his boyfriend. Yeah, it, it is. Way, yeah. Well, it's it's his, his old friend, but they they did uh, they did have like you know a small sort of relationship, um, sort of. But then they they broke off contact. And they move states, and so what ends up happening is the protagonist decides to visit his friend. He he, prom- he offers to cook him food because he he's a chef, and then you know he goes over to his home. I'll, I won't say any more because you know important stuff happen. All right. So with the Oscars this year, because it's definitely going to get nominated, do you think that it's the front runner for Best Picture, or do you think that La La Land's just Pro- got that in the bag? Well, I think this will win Best Picture. I don't think it win much else. You know, I, I, not not even like some of the acting ones. Like I, I, Na- I don't know Na- about Naomi that. Naomi Harris or Mahershala Ali. I mean, how you pronounce? I guess does I guess deserves though. I mean, it, it, it's eligible to win those like yeah. most definitely. But I'm I'm thinking that it would go to something more like La La Land because you know it seems to be more popular. Yeah. The, the Academy are suckers for musicals. They're as suckers well. for musicals. And, and they like those actors. And they're known um, bigots and racists as well. Yeah, and, like yeah, I the guess, Oscars so white so. stuff last year. Like I don't know if that's gonna play into it, like into their decision I mean, or anything. If, if someone should, and win... especially with homosexuality in it as well. Like if that's gonna be a big turn off for them or. Uh, I don't think so. I think that's I mean, maybe why they but, like Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, but that didn't win Best Picture. Remember, they, oh, they yeah. Crash won the Best Picture that year. Oh yeah, I haven't seen Crash. But they get they gave Ang Lee best director, but they gave best picture to Crash, which was also about like racial issues and things like that. Mm, but still, yeah. all right. Well, 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 I think I, I don't. I, well, I think this if it does deserve uh, an Academy Award for acting, it should go to Naomi Harris. She was she was excellent in this, um, playing the uh, 
the him? heroin addict mother. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, what's his name? Ma- Ma- Mahersh- yeah, his name's really hard to pronounce. I think yeah. it's Mahershala Ali. He, he, he was good. He was good in this movie, but he, he sort of, you know, played a very... I don't want to say generic character, but it's like... Plays cli- street cliche, smart. Or... It, it feels kind of cliche. It's street smart mentor, but you know he does he does a good job uh, playing the character. I, I won't deny that. And also, he doesn't really get a lot of screen time. Oh, really? Either. No, he doesn't. Oh, because like, it looks like from again from the trailers, it looks yeah, like it looks he's like in, he's in the he's movie a, a lot, major but he's major not. part. Oh, I won't tell you what what ends up happening to him, but he's, he's in the movie for a fair bit for around the first half, and then he ends up disappearing. Oh, okay. Mm. Alright, so definitely recommend it? Oh yes, I definitely recommend it. It's right. worth watching. It's it's a great film and it, it touches on some contemporary issues like, you know, homosexuality and... and uh, Race and... Yeah, and poverty, poverty really. Yeah. Alright. So, yeah. I'm excited to see it and I think it comes out... If you're interested in seeing it, I think it comes out here in Australia on January 26th, which is Australia Day. And um, I don't know. It's probably not going to get that wide of a release. I know my local theatre is not no, playing it. I think, not. yeah. So probably you'd have to look for this in an art house cinema or like a really big one that would play both like mainstream and art house films. So okay, I'm excited to see it. Thanks for telling me about that. Yeah, that's great. All right, so let's get into what we thought were some of the best and worst movies of 2016. Starting with the best, um, so how, what do you have? You got a top ten, a top. What, what have you got? Uh, well, I don't know. There weren't really ten films that I would consider like you know, like the best films of the year. It's probably around five for me. Five films that I really, right. really liked and really enjoyed and thought they were quite good. Okay. Um, well, I have made a t- list of ten, but I also have ten honorable mentions. Uh, I probably, I probably <laughs> could uh, make top twenty. In, I guess. In, hi- in hindsight, I could have made a top twenty, and I've made a uh, last year. I did a top fifteen for twenty fifteen, and I had three honorable mentions last year. Maybe you could do top sixteen. For uh, this year, top seventeen I, next I th- year. I thought about that, but um, yeah, I thought. A lot of these movies are good, but I wouldn't call them great. So, mm. um, I'll start off with some of my honourable mentions that I have. Um, and first off, which would probably be number 11 on my list, would be La La Land. It's such a great movie, like, very high energy. It feels a lot like... It reminded me a lot of Singing in the Rain. Like, it's a throwback. Yeah, it it's like, like a love letter yeah. to kind of to LA and, like, a throwback to old Hollywood. And it's a really enjoyable, great music, really good performances from Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. There's the ending of the movie. I might have told you this earlier, but the ending of the movie kind of reminded me of Brazil, in a way. Which, Did it? yeah, um, I'll, I'm not going to explain it because it'll oh, okay. spoil the movie yeah. on the podcast. I'll tell you later. But yeah, it was really, really cool, and I enjoyed it. Um, anyway, what did you think of the singing from the two leads? The singing? Um, did you it, think they were good, good singers? Emma Stone's a very good singer. I thought. Yeah. Isn't Ryan Gosling a singer as well? Ryan, Go- or Ryan a Gosling, of some sort. Um, no, Ryan Gosling learnt how to play the piano. He spent like f- he he learnt how to play the piano for about five months. Uh. Yep. Um, Emma Stone's dancing isn't quite as good. Like, Ryan Gosling can dance. Um, my sister pointed out that Emma Stone's not... Like, my sister ballet, does ballet and, like, is a really big fan of dancing. And she, yeah, she didn't think that Emma Stone was that great of a well, dancer. I guess they and compensate for on, each on, weaknesses. Yeah, on second viewing, I kind of noticed that a little bit. But no, it's a film with very few flaws. And, like, it's... There's... It's a film that... I mean, it's an ambitious movie yeah, anyway, trying to make it... An, and the thing is, it, only, it focuses on just Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. There aren't really any supporting characters. On, on a, like, I heard that, like, some of the... the um, 
musical numbers or whatever. Uh, like they're so complexly choreographed, maybe not complex. But yeah, well, the, the it would have been so hard to direct, like because you have oh people like dancing on a highway. Like, oh yeah, they, the they had to, they, and, they, and people thought that that was on a soundstage. No, they actually closed off a section of a freeway in Los Angeles, and they did that. And for most of, and that whole sequence, the Another Day of Sun musical number, it looks like it's all one take. I mean, you can obviously point out bits yeah, where it looks like it was cuts, but like edited. I guess the but, editing was good enough to oh, make yeah, it look it, like one take. It was anyway. great. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely see what La La Land. It's a really, really good film. Um, other honourable mentions, uh, The Hateful Eight. Um, cheating a little bit here, but it mm. technically came out in Australia in 2016. I mean, it was just so good. Yeah, I so, it Seeing it good. in the roadshow, the 70mm, was just such a great experience. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. and I mean, I, I think it's... Uh, well, Stan, Tarantino does what he does uh, best... I mean, he doesn't really homage uh, Sergio Leone Western films um, very well, because I think he was trying to mm. uh, make homage to spaghetti uh, Western films um, a bit. Not mm. really, because it's like, sort of like a mystery mystery yeah. film, if yeah. you think about it. Claustrophobic mystery yeah. films. Yeah, uh, just on claustro- like It felt like, even though like, well, it was just in this cabin, it felt a lot like, like this cabin was really, really spacious yeah. while you were in there. It was like almost like a Snoopy's doghouse kind I of. I mean, the cinematography is quite good, especially oh, when great. Yeah. the landscape uh, in near in near Marconi. His Marconi score, score is well, really good. Very, um, well-deserving Oscar win for mm. best score. Yep. And um, yeah, I thought that even though the movie sort of felt like it ran a bit too long, yeah, it does keep you interested because the dialogue yeah. is so well and written. It will. It it definitely throws a few people off, like just talking and yeah. things like that, and like. And then, like, because it got an R18 plus rating here in Australia, for the first two hours of the movie, you're like, oh, this is fine. They say they say the N-word a lot, and they're pretty horrible people. But then, then the poisoning in the coffee happens, and then you're like, okay, that's why this movie's rated R. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, one thing that might bother people, um, and I know my I have a friend that gets bothered with this, he finds that, like... With the ta- with how Tarantino makes his characters, they all seem like smartass. Yeah, so they all sound yeah, like yeah. they all just sound the same, just coming up with, you know, smart quips to say to each other. I mean, it makes for good dialogue, but then it doesn't really make for such diverse yeah, characters. Yeah. And it's a bit strange at the end how like the dumb, uh, kind of ha- cowboy hick guy becomes. Oh, yeah. A lot smarter in the end. I, I will. I will say that though, like a lot of people, one of the most underrated performances I think of the year was Walton Goggins in that movie. Yeah, like he was so good. He was the, quite. Yeah, he was quite good in the in yeah, Hateful Eight. Like he, I've, had, I've seen him in like bit parts and things like that. It was like the first, not really a leading, but like a main supporting role because like he was he played a small part in Django Unchained. He was on yeah, that TV yeah. show Justified, and I think he was actually on an episode of Community as like a a poly uh, as like a. Uh, it was it was a guest star in an episode of Community, which was really funny. Then <laughs> and yeah, he was really really good in that. So and Samuel L. Jackson, just great as always. Yeah. And all right, um, what else do I have on this list? Oh, here's one that we both have on our honorable mentions list: Hell or High Water. Yes, Hell or High Water is is great. I mean, it's a simple story. I guess it's been done, well, sort of been done before. Yeah, but, you been, know, simple revenge yeah. story, but it's told so well. Yeah, I find. and it, it's almost kind of like an indictment or like a commentary on like how the American, like the banking system in America, yeah. and like how they're screwing over. How they, they're just screw, they're just screwing over, uh, you know, the people that are just living in these small towns. Like, mm. I mean, uh, the film does make some commentary about this. It says, you know, 
First, it was the the the, Amer- the settlers who took over America from took America yeah. away from the Native Americans, and but now it's the banks that has taken yeah, away yeah, yeah. Uh, the homes of the settlers. Yeah, and like, and a lot of the act, like, well, I wouldn't really necessarily call it action, but all the heist scenes are really, oh, really they're well really done. well done. I mean, I'm pretty picky when it comes to action, but like mm. the way it's shot in this film, it's really, it's really good. It's not yeah. like you know, nothing silly happens. You know, it feels it feels like it's played in in a very, in a very well done manner, realistic in a sense. I thought it was yeah, Hell High Water is great. All right, and uh, oh, and we got to mention performances. Like everyone's talking about Jeff Bridges, he's really good, but he's been playing like since he won yeah, the Oscar. Been since he playing, won the Oscar for Crazy Heart, been like playing he's been cowboy playing the same for body, yeah, forever. cowboy. For and he just doesn't want to shave. All, his all beard. he does is just sit and talk shit. Yeah, <laughs> and be racist, especially like that. The kind of semi-racist banter between his his half Indian and half Mexican like, um, partner. Like it was, pretty, and then it was like you. You hate it now, but you like you'll love me. You, like, yeah. you'll, enjoy, you'll find it funny. You'll love eventually. you later. Yeah, like he was good, but the standout, like Chris Pine, was good in it as well. Like it's refreshing I to Chris see. Chris Pine was really. It good was in refreshing that, to see him not be like smartass kind of Captain Kirk yeah, kind of person. Yeah, but exactly. Far out, Ben Foster. How how good is he? I think like, they. I think he, they were both a, great. The he, chemistry between the two uh, actors just ben, is brilliant. Ben Foster just disappears into roles, though. Like I haven't seen the movie where he played Lance Armstrong. I really want to see that. I haven't gotten around mm. to it yet. But he just dis- he's almost like Jake Gyllenhaal and yeah, Christian Bale. It's like and how like chameleonic crazy, he is. Yeah, like crazy method acting. Yeah, he like, just like he just became the. He, character. He'd be like if like oh I need to I need to pull out a tooth for this role. Sure, I'll do it. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a feeling Ben Foster would do that. And also, and we keep coming on this one, but the writer of this movie, um, Taylor Sheridan, this is only his second feature film like that he's that he's written, and the, the first one was Sicario. Oh, so well, he's got a pr- looks like he's doing quite pretty well. good track record for that yeah. guy. All right. Well, but, one last thing I'd like to say, um, as as I mentioned before, the chemistry between the two brothers in the film is really good. It re- really like demonstrates uh, how how well the whole. Brotherhood theme is play out, or the whole family theme as a whole, because the whole reason why they're they're committing these bank robberies is to to save their um, family farm and then pass yeah, it on yeah, to yeah. the next of kin or this the sons of Chris Pine. So mm. it's 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 quite it's quite a relief to see like a multi story like this um, told in such a way where the multi isn't really just thrown in your yeah. face. You know that they're, they're they're terrible people and they're doing terrible <laughs> things, but you but they 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 kind of justified in the end. Yeah. Well, as I said, you like, do feel sympathy for him. Yeah, I, shit, it's the fan. I really want to see. It. I think it's just about to come out on Blu-ray, so I want to pick it up because I really want to see it again because I was really, really tired oh, when I first. saw It's this. a really good-looking movie. Yeah. I made the same mistake. I watched it really I, late. I, I didn't watch it really late, but I, I saw two. Mo- I, I, I did a triple feature, and this was the last one. And I, because I, I had to go to Melbourne to see this, a two-hour trip mm. to Melbourne, and I'd already sat through two movies, and I was just about to fall asleep. And um, not because the movie was bad. Like, the movie is what kept me awake. Yeah, it was you must so have been good. so exhausted. Oh, I was. Yeah. yeah. And oh, I just finished watching Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk as well. So, like, that took a bit out of me. <laughs> All right. Um, that's, no, not, cinematogra- that's not a terrible movie. Cinematography is great in, um, in Hell or High Water. I don't, I don't hear much people talking about that, but... It's they, they really use negative space well in this movie with the like with the barren landscapes yeah, and all that. Yeah, it's, it's a nice movie to look at. Mm. All right. Well, speaking of one of them, when I went down to Melbourne, another one of the honorable movies I have in my honorable mention. It's not Billy Lynn's Long Half Time Walk. That's 
a pretty underrated movie, but like it's clunky as hell, and that's not on this list. Um, I like Ang Lee though, and he did visually interesting things for that movie. The other one was the Japanese anime film Your Name, or Kimi, uh-huh. Kimi no Nawa, if you're in, from Japan, yeah. the Japanese title. You, you saw this, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I what did, did you see think? This. I thought it was interesting. A very it's very very interesting. I mean, if if you've never seen any anime related stuff, or even uh, Japanese, would this, this be a good be place a... to start? Do you think? Oh, were... No, no, no. It'll not be at all. Too outlandish, I think. Uh, it's yeah, a bit too outlandish. If, if you've never seen anything anime esque, this this would just mind fuck you in in a sense. Not in the way that's like the the film's disturbing. It's just so strange and bizarre yeah, yeah. compared to Western media. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it was like a body swap movie, but like kind of told like th- as a love story. Yeah, that. and like and then was... there's elements of time travel mm. and spirits. Like, and... I, I was I was a bit worried because like after watching a bunch of shitty '90s body swap movies and things <laughs> like that, there's. Like oh well not nineties but the hot chick with fucking Rob Schneider yeah. like terrible movies like that and like oh, it's a play girl thing yeah Adam Sandler doesn't even want to make movies with Rob <laughs> Schneider anymore so that just shows you where he's at <laughs> yeah well I think they do handle the body swapping quite well like the humor and mm. and um, and also the romantic side of that. Um, the body swap thing only happens for like really the yeah, third for the, fir- to for the first half I yeah think. the and first it, half and then and it's basically kind of like this mystery to yeah, spin out what mystery happened which was intriguing sort of sci-fi supernatural yeah it, it, goes, was... it takes a really strange turn but you know it doesn't feel you know super out of place in a sense I mean because it starts off as a body swap movie and they sort of like I I guess because Sean and I don't know much about Japanese culture. Oh, really I, know, I know a fair bit. I've done. Jap- I, I've studied Japanese for six years. No, I don't know much. I've, about been, I've been to Japan. Japanese as well, spirituality so. or anything, but I guess they kind of hint towards some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah earlier they, they in the do, film, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, the film is quite late. I guess you can say mm. in a beautifully sense, animated. It's beautifully animated. Especially like two, especially two D animation. Though. It's a dying art form as well. Oh like, yeah, it looks good old cell animation. Uh, yeah. Um, I've, oh well part of me hopes that like because this movie dominated box office everywhere it actually recently passed Spirited Away as the highest grossing Japanese film of oh all holy time. shit well that doesn't surprise me I mean this thing this sorry this movie is very well received with like the anime community here. yeah, like, yeah. When, when I like, saw my it, friends they, they, they love to talk this movie up and I think my anime list is got like a 9.4 that's like the highest thing it's oh, wow. number one I, I think it's like it's got like an eight point seven or something on IMDb or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good if IMDb stands because what's what the highest rated things like a nine point three. Yeah, and, and that's like I think Sword still Shank Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. Yeah, yeah. But I find the movie a little overrated. Yeah, I, I it guess does. It, like I found towards the end, the like pacing's were, a bit pacing's, strange. Yeah, and there was about five points where I thought the movie was going to end. It does get yeah, a little, it, does. it does get a little Return of the King yeah. a little bit. But yeah, like it's Revenge a bit of the annoying. King, Revenge, Return, Return of the King, King, it kind of made sense because you'd just been on this yeah. huge journey and you needed like all that down downtime almost. Yeah, well, I find with like, Return it, of the King, they sort of like they they sort of they intentionally bait you and then they they go, no, yeah. we still got more to tell. Remember, this is an epic tale. It's yeah. three and then in, in the end, it's just all about a hobbit trying to get laid, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, there are points of the film where you think it's going to end, which is a bit annoying. Um, to, it handles its you know comedic and romantic tones fairly well. Sometimes yeah, yeah. it switches a bit too quickly and feels a little strange. Right. And the chemistry between the characters I thought was quite well, although mm. at times it feels a bit soppy. Yeah, I yeah. find. But uh, you know, you mean th- sappy or sappy? Yeah. yeah, I mean, but you know, this 
a lot of the stuff in the anime medium, especially in the high school genre, tends to be like this anyway. All right. Um, moving on, uh, one that will be probably be quick because we're I'm going a lot longer than I thought we were going to. Um, I guess it's so fine, here, anyway. here's one that you I don't know what you thought of it. Captain America: Civil War. Didn't you see it. it. You didn't, didn't see it. it. No. You didn't see it. Um, this is the definition of a popcorn movie. It's just, it's fun. It's what Batman versus Superman should have been. Um, we'll, we'll get to that later. I still um, thought it was, it, was, it was a fine movie to watch as a schlocky, fun film to uh, watch. Yeah, we'll, Even we'll, though it's not very sa- fun. Save it, save it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we're going to get to that now worst. Oh, don't you worry. Um, Civil War, like, it hits a lot of the beats of Batman v Superman, but it did it. It did them well. And the action scenes, like, a lot of people are saying the airport scene, like, it was really good. But um, isn't it... I, hope I, I would say it's drawn out a bit. It's drawn out a bit. I'd say the best scene is when I think they're in, like, Bucharest or somewhere and there's this... The, and, and it's Black Panther chasing this Winter Soldier through the streets of Bucharest, like, under mm-hmm. the tunnel. That scene is just fucking amazing. And, like, yeah, it's just... It's an absolute blast. Just watch it. It's there, There's no real deep or meaningful stuff to that. Like, it doesn't need to anyway. It doesn't need to. It's a Marvel movie. It's a Marvel movie. It just has to be entertaining. It's just popcorn, obviously. and it did, it did its job. All right. Uh, another one similar to The Hateful Eight. Um, pre cheating a bit here because it technically came out in 2016. I mean, 2015. The Revenant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful it's shot movie. Like, definitely deserve that cinematography light. Oscar, uh, I, Emmanuel, I think. I think, is it, did he win three in a row? Emmanuel Lubetsky? For this, um, because he won, he won for Birdman. Because he definitely deserved it for Birdman. Yeah, definitely. That was and very for ambitious. this one as well. Like the choice to e- do, even though in Birdman, I sort of think it like just filming a movie in a long take. There's some parts that it, which it takes away from, but I mean, just to have the whole film in a long take is just very. Mm. It's ambitious. It's it's ambitious enough just to give an award to. Yeah. Him. He does it quite well. And uh, something that annoyed me a little bit about this movie is because, like, even though it's based off a novel that was like. Uh, inspired by the true story so this is based on something that is inspired by it like it's not historically accurate no because the real I mean Hugh Glass's story the Hugh Glass story is fucking amazing like it's incredible but he never had an Indian half-breed son Hmm. like he he did he did speak the language and live with the Indians though or mm. the Native Americans. Like, I don't know what's, which is PC or not, but to say, but... Well, I would say okay. Native Americans. Native Americans, I don't think yeah, you should yeah. say Indians, because that's... Okay, yeah, what, derogatory term. Yeah. Um, and... Well, don't worry also, for derogatory yeah. term. Also, um, at the end, like, s- quick spoilers here, so if you don't want to hear this, even seen The Revenant and you uh, want to, still want to see it, just skip ahead for about a minute or so. Um, Tom Hardy's character... Um, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, oh, Q Glass can't get revenge on him in real life because he joined the army and yeah. was untouchable. Like, if you kill someone in the army, you're, that's yeah, your death, sentence. death sentence. So he basically sense. forced him, was like, you better stay in the army for the rest of your fucking life or I'm going to kill you. Instead of in the movie where it's just like, it's probably the more satisfying, the more Hollywood ending. Yeah. But, you know well, what? Like, I, wish they, they, I wish it would have took the more realistic, um, <laughs> closer to history, uh, the take approach. of the film the approach yeah. oh yeah but most of the other stuff in it was like they did try and bury him alive they did mm, and yeah. he literally did crawl all the way through fucking Yellowstone to try and kill this guy for leaving him in the middle of nowhere I, 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 do, th- I do think that um, Tom Hardy was the better actor than Leonardo DiCaprio oh uh, yeah I think I, I think, mean Leonardo DiCaprio is fine it's I, just a lot of I thought I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club but I thought that DiCaprio should have won for Wolf of Wall Street 
He was pretty I, good. I honestly think that he should Wolf Wall Street. I, I think I now. think this is like a, the case where like they've given they've given, they're given it to the wrong. The, no, not given the, him not the award for the wrong movie. Not yeah, or just for his big body of work. Like yeah. when they gave, um, which is just give him like an honorary Oscar yeah. for that. Or like just when they when they gave um, uh, Denzel Washington the Oscar for Training Day. Like oh, I'm what like, the fuck? yeah, why? <laughs> Or um, when they gave uh, Judy Dench the Best Supporting Actress for Shakespeare yeah, in Love what, when what she it, has like eight minutes of screen time. Or what's his name? Uh, Al Pacino got oh, his Oscar of a woman. for of a Woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ridiculous it's... for all the other films that he's exactly, been in. Exactly, yeah. All right, well, we're having a, a really great movie. Like, I mean, it's worth watching just for the cinematography. Alejandro, Alejandro in, in Uratu is just... Like he's he's becoming one he's, of my he's a great he's a, well. he's a great direct, director. Can't he see, knows how to direct action. I mean, that yeah, and action scene at the beginning was just great. Mm, oh, I know. Like he really knows how to and, draw oh, the, 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 the bear mauling eyes. scene too. That yeah, was, bear mauling scene was quite good too. That was very good. All right, um, another movie with a bear in it that I really enjoyed: the Disney's remake of the Jungle Book. I have that as an honorable mention. You haven't seen it. Nope. <laughs> um, again, they did change the ending to the original one. Again, okay. Spoilers for the jung- for the Jungle Book remake, but you've all seen it. So in the ending, like he has to come to terms. Like, oh, he finds the human village, mm. and then he's like, oh, I have to live, even though I'm it's growing. Basically, a metaphor for growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I the, remember the. Yeah, uh, you might be a bit pissed feature. off. I, at the end of this movie, he stays in the jungle. That's a bit retarded. It is. It is. Uh, that that did it a little bit for me. But it the way ruins the, the overall message of the film. Yeah, it does a little bit. But the technical aspect of this movie is just absolutely astounding. Like to think that they shot none of this in the jungle. They shot all this all on a soundstage in LA, and it looks like you're in the middle of the in like in the middle of the jungle in India. Like it's it's amazing that it was. But then when you come to think, yeah. And I thought that like seeing these animals talk would be really distracting. And was like, oh, is that? But no, they they do it really well. They make it believable. Okay. And great. Whoever did the voice casting for this was great. Like Bill Murray is Baloo, perfect casting. Idris Elba is Shere Khan. Like that is just he's so menacing, and he can play great villains. Like he was a better villain in this than he was in Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> um, yeah, and the little kid that they got to um, play Mowgli. Um, his name, the name of the little kid, I think it's Neil Sethi or something like that. I'm blaming on the kid's name, but he was fantastic considering that he had basically had to walk around on a blue screen yeah. with John Favreau, like pointing out and telling him what to do. <laughs> like it's, it was incredible. So, and I know a lot of people are against the, the live action Jungle Book remakes. Like I have a friend that refuses to watch them because they say they ruined the Disney magic. That's retarded. Or, a, a little bit. Yeah. But. And I heard I didn't see the Pe- I didn't they, see Pete's dragon. People like that I should heard. just pull the fucking cotton from their eyes. And they shouldn't, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know that remakes suck balls, but you can't just say like, oh, this this new remake's gonna ruin my childhood. Yeah, because... well, that's the Ghostbusters paradox or whatever they call yeah, it. But, but... Yeah, but those are all like forty-year-old uh, basement yeah. dwellers. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, so... Ghostbusters. Mm. It's good. Well, it's not. Disney had a well. Insane. Disney had a great year. Like I'll get some of their movies in a moment. Zootopia, which I liked, but didn't. That's not an honorable mention. Well, that's I had on a my friend list. that but tells me great things about Zootopia. That's it's got some good humor. Yeah, F- Finding Dory was Even just it's a okay. Film. Finding Dory was okay. Um, I, I hadn't seen. I didn't see Pete's Dragon, but I heard really good things. Well, I know a friend that watched I, Pete's Dragon. He liked the original. And he likes this one. Uh, I don't know if he uh, likes this one better, but he likes this one a lot too. Oh, okay. 
Um, it, and it was also it was an interesting choice of director because they got the um, David Lowry who did a movie called Ain't Them Body Saints, which is like a weird Terrence Malick esque <laughs> western set in the Monday, I think like Virginia or something, which was really really cool. Sounds awesome. It was really cool to see. I've I yeah. like Terrence Malick. Yeah, and it's got yeah Casey Affleck, Rooney Mara, Ben Foster again. Like mm. chips keeps popping up everywhere. It's a great actor. All right. Um, what else? What's next? Um, Sing Street. Is another honourable mention of mine. This is a an Irish film that's made by John Carney, who did who's who did the movies Once and Begin Again. I don't know if you've seen either of those, oh. but they're both films that involve music, and they are just charming, yeah, well, like really feel good. They just feel good, really awesome films. This that's one's good. about this movie. It got nominated for best musical or comedy at the Golden Globes this year, actually. So it's about this. Yeah. It's about this young boy named Connor who there's he's moved schools, like he's being picked on, and he sees this. There's this girl that he really likes, and he said he wants to, like, hold on, I'm just trying to explain this. He wants her to be in a music video. He's like, oh, I'm in a band. I'm in a band. Do you want to be in one of our music videos? And she's like, oh, okay. Only problem is he doesn't have a band. So <laughs> he gets a band together, and and then. Like they they start playing music together and it's awesome and these two start to fall in love and it's just such a delightful like it feel does look good like movie. quite a the music heart, heart the music film. is really good like the music is in, because it's set in the eighties as well so it's set in eighties Dublin yeah, I remember my sister saw this movie and she said it was really good on the music front just as a film yeah she I, I was surprised I was surprised that the song um, Drive It Like You Stole It did not get any nominations in the um, Golden Globes or anything like that. But uh, yeah, the music's great. Um, a lot of the acting from fairly pretty much no names. There's like a fairly unknown people in this. Like I think the main kid in it, like it was his first feature film, and I think he's going to be in the next seasons of Vikings now. Oh, he just got cast. That's, that's in that. good for so, him. Yeah, and I think yeah, not very big names. Like one of the um, Jack Rayner, who I think was in, who was the horrible um, Irish dude in Transformers: Age of Extinction, who I thought he was a horrible actor, but in this movie he plays his older brother, and he is just he's like this. Like um twenty like mid twenties stoner who just like who could have been a musician but then never like never did anything about it and now he just lives at home smokes pot and listens to his vinyl well, records. Well, it's great that some Irish actors you know getting yeah. their foot. In and the also, I'm um, Aidan Gillen from Game of Thrones who plays a Littlefinger. He's plays his dad and he's not in the movie that much, but he's pretty good in it though. As like because like his parents are going through a divorce and like he brings like that kind of sadness that. Mm. Like, it was very different to the role he has, where he's basically just, like, a cunt yeah. on uh, Game of Thrones, but, like... God, that owns the brothel and, and yeah. does all this, like, shady backstabbery yeah. shit. Yeah, so Sing Street, definitely see it if you haven't got to it. If you, Like, it's... It got a very, very limited theatrical release, and I think it... I don't know if it made money or not. I think it only made it 13 did. million worldwide, I think, which was a lot less than his earlier films, Once and Begin Again. Begin again, I think made almost seventy million worldwide off a like eight million dollar budget, and oh, once was like Good an turnover. In- and once was like an indie sleeper hit, which was made for like a hundred eighty thousand and made like I think it was fifty million <laughs> worldwide. Oh, so like yeah, yeah. So that's good. Um, and another movie that I have on my honourable mentions list. Fuck, we're thirty five minutes into it, and we haven't even got to our list yet. And we're it's still right. We could stretch this out to like a huge yep, long. Yep, of course we, we can. We split this into parts, even. Of course we can. We can do a second part. Um, another movie that I have on here that's in my honourable mentions: Girl Asleep. 
Now, you probably haven't even heard of this. Like, no, I, I, you, you I told me about, about it, but I didn't so, watch it. Yeah, this movie, this is an Australian I film. I think I recorded it, though, at yeah, least. Yeah, okay, well, it, it's not. It's no longer... Like, cause it, it's a movie that's... Um, I think it's based on a play that was for the Adelaide Fringe Festival a few years back that got really, really good reviews. It won a lot of it won a lot of rewards at Sydney Film Festival this year. Um, I'm just trying to think. I think it was funded. They got a lot of funding from the ABC on this. Like, and as soon as it came out in DVD, they aired it on ABC. And I think it's it might. I don't know if it's still on iView. So, like, if you want to watch it, just check there. Or it's out in DVD now. Um, this movie, it's a coming-of-age story, and it's... I would describe it like if an 80s John Hughes movie was set in 1970s Australia, and then it was directed by Wes Anderson. Yeah, that's definitely this movie. has the look. Like, it, the colour palette yeah, looks very Wes Anderson. And, and they even have a, a, quite a few lateral shots, too, I think, in the movie. Yeah, yeah, they do. Just judging from a trailer. I've only seen a trailer it, it gets, for it. Yeah, um, and... A lot of the performances from like young from young Australian actresses um, actors um, the two the two leads in it Bethany Whitmore who plays the girl the girl asleep in question and Harrison Feldman who if you watch that TV show Upper Middle Bogan he's the kid with the red hair and the and the the kid that yeah so he's on Upper Middle Bogan and those two are fantastic like they will probably get more roles out of this. Oh, now, I would hope so. Yeah, they are so good. I think um, I, when I actually posted my um, best movies list online, um, and I put Girl Asleep on there, Bethany Whitmore um, actually liked my photo. So, thanks for that, Beth. Um, yeah, it's a really, really interesting movie. Like, it takes a very weird turn into like a weird dream. It looks like it turns surreal. It it has a very surrealist quality to it, and like they have like it's all these like kind of monsters that kind of look like they're out of some like a music video from Sia or something <laughs> like that. So like it gets a bit weird, and that might be a bit jarring for some people. But like it's very like it's I would describe it how um, Harrison Feldman's character I can't remember his name shit. Um, I think it's Elliot in the in, like it, I would akin the movie to like what his character is. It's very awkward, but it's endearing and kind of charming, <laughs> and things like that. Like it's and it's a very short movie. Like I think with credits, it's like seventy three minutes yeah. long. So like it's it it's fairly well paid. It doesn't it, it feels a bit longer than that, which yeah, in this case is kind of a good thing. I yeah, thought. I guess so. Is, because, is, is, mm. I guess with a runtime that short, there's mm. not a dull moment. Yeah, and it's because it's basically about this girl who's moved schools and she's about to have her fifteenth birthday, and her she doesn't want to party because she's a bit of a she's socially awkward and she doesn't have any friends, mm. and um, the, her parents force her to have this party, and then she basically, and then it's basically, I can't explain this, and yeah, it's a coming of age story. And I guess it, the pie it, just turns sour. Uh yeah. It, oh, I won't. I won't spoil it. Um. Oh, it's just because there's there's used problem, to problems with host. like bullies and things oh. like that. And that's not fun. Yeah, and it, it, it getting bullies. And like a lot of these movies, like there isn't really any like sexual awakening as they like these movies usually would mm. put to that. Like there's it's hinted at and it's yeah, not like like it's not blatant. There's no. It's like, not blatant. Like oh look, I'm becoming a woman. I'm getting no. sexual. Well, desires. it is. It, it, it's it is. There is a big theme, and towards the end, like there's well, not. It's I wouldn't. It's too obvious to be called symbolism, but. I would say, like, it's about, like, becoming, like, almost becoming an adult and, like, letting go of your childhood and, like, growing up. 
and things like that and it does it in a really really interesting way so if, if it's still on iview definitely check it out or it's on dvd now it's a good little aussie film that like i don't think a lot of people saw like i saw it and it's very limited theatrical yeah I, like i never heard of the movie until you told me about it sean yeah and that was when it was on about that was like 30 minutes before it was about to come on yeah. tv so <laughs> yeah so please please see it and my last honorable mention i'm gonna mention um nocturnal <laughs> animals did you see this uh, to be honest with you, I watched some of it, but I didn't end up watching the rest of it. Oh, really? Um, what turned no, you off was, it? No, well, I think it was because I watched it late at night, and I was too tired oh, to finish okay. it. But, I don't know, I mean, the movie, from what I think I've seen 40 minutes of it, you know, it's quite interesting, quite inter- mm. interestingly told. Uh, you know, I know a bit about it, about it but all I saw was um, uh, Amy the, Adams. Did the she opening gets credits throw you off? Did <laughs> Uh, no, not really. Uh, no, because you enjoyed it. No, it's just I was just. Well, yeah, I haven't seen like, the whole movie, so I don't know right. if that's like uh, it's, pointless or not. Or I not really. If it's it if it's really pointless, in, it doesn't really come back into play in the rest of the th- in the rest of the movie. I'll just say that I, I think it was just uh, when I was watching. I thought that in some parts the editing was a bit choppy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I haven't some, seen... some of the editing was pretty good, like um, when Amy Adams is reading the story, and I think there was like a part where like, oh, someone yeah, got that's... hit with a hammer, and like they would cut to like a bird flying into Amy Adams' window. Oh, that's nice. Uh, I thought that was pretty yeah, cool. Can't... And like, I guess I haven't seen that like, from the film. A lot of people were saying that like Amy Adams was getting Oscar nominations for this. I don't think so. Her no, character it's mainly does for Arrival. Really she's getting yeah, we'll, we'll get to Arrival for that. later. Um, yeah, but the standout in this movie, Jake Gyllenhaal. And yeah, Michael, Michael Shannon. Wait, did you get to wear Michael Shannon? In the I movie? don't know. Oh, I should. Michael I should Sh- watch the rest of it. Michael Shannon is. I fucking love Michael Shannon. He's he he's been pigeonholed into playing like creeps and like really bad guys. Like, well, I guess he plays the creep well. Yeah, like have you seen Premium Rush? No. Oh, he is just. He's he puts the he's overacting so much in that. And he <laughs> plays the villain like this this crooked cop, and it's so great to watch. But yeah, and he, he was. I actually thought I'm one of the few people that like that hate DC, but actually will go on record and saying that they liked Man of Steel, and I thought <laughs> that he was great as Zod. But yeah, Michael Shannon in this movie, I'm surprised that he did not get a nomination, and I was very surprised that Aaron Taylor Johnson got a nomination and won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. Mm. That was a huge surprise. I was. De- I thought he was definitely the weakest out of the well, the four. Like it was. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't really like him that much. Like, there's something a bit off-putting about him. Like, I didn't really like him. You don't him like his out. personality? No, or... I just... As an actor, he doesn't really just... I haven't seen him in anything where he's like, oh, you were good in that. Like, or you were fantastic in that. Like, right. Godzilla, he was just generic. Um, he didn't really bring much to Quicksilver, I didn't think. Uh, what else? Um, he was alright as Kick-Ass. Like, I had no idea he was British. Like, he's... <laughs> I, I had no idea he was British until he spoke at the Golden Globes um, Awards, so I guess maybe he is a good actor maybe in that respect. Maybe he could pull off an American accent. Uh, I don't know. Sort um, of. Sure. Kind of. Well, I, as I said, I didn't think he was. I didn't know he was British because I've only seen him play Americans mm. until now. So, but yeah, the, the story within a story aspect and how it was structured yeah, was that's really, really good. And I find it amazing, Tom Ford. I mean, well, usually just pick one thing and be good at it because it's yeah, just, it's he's, not fair. He's not, he's it's not fair. So you can be fashion designer, yeah, and he makes movies and he too, makes and he awesome writes his, his own screenplay. So yeah, I mean, this was based on a novel, mm. but like, oh, I guess. Mm. Well, I think he did um, write 
Um, mm. What was it? A single man. A single man. His yeah. First feature. I haven't seen a single man, but I hear, hear nothing but I've, good things. I've, yeah, I've heard good things about a single man, so yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it would be quite good. I mean, Nocturnal Animals is pretty good, I guess, even though I haven't seen the whole mm. movie. Well, how's the cinematography? Because oh, okay. oh, it, it looks pretty. From it what was, I've seen, it looks pretty. Well, doesn't. Well, parts there's a lot look of plain, but yeah, there's a, a the lot night of it, scenes. A lot of it takes place right. at night, so some of the night so scenes are so right, but they kind of do that through yeah. the lighting, like mm. the they have a light under the dash to make yeah. it brighter. That kind of pisses me off. I hate uh, and that. all the days they didn't do like, that in hell because high they're water, usually which is a relief. Well, during the day scenes, it looks a lot like hell or high water because they're like in the middle of yeah. like the desert and like so er- everything looks very so like it's all the yellows things come out like really tans. Yeah, all the tan colours like come out really well. Well, I might like that aspect of the film. Mm. We've had good colour um, correction. The, yeah, it looks a bit grainy at times, but like apart from that, it looks really well. Um, only only problem with this I can think of is the ending. Like I a lot of people, like yeah, oh, please it. don't tell but me the ending. ending. The ending, like after some thought, it makes sense. But like a lot of people will be like that, it's going to be really, really yeah. Because unsatis- I saw this, really unsatisfying. This for some movie, people. like it, it's most well, it's positive mostly, but it's not like I'd, I'd expect it to be even more. Like, it would have got better reviews, but it's like seventy something Rotten Tomatoes. I thought that would have got like mm. you know at least an eighty something or something like that. Because you know just just from just looking at who's involved with the film, I thought it would yeah. turn out really well. So, I don't know, who knows, it might right. drop a bit later in the film. As Sean said, mm. the ending yeah. might be a bit disappointing with some. Also, whoever did the makeup for Amy Adams in that movie deserves something, because that was really, really yeah. good. Like, it, it, like, even though she didn't really do a whole lot in the movie, like, yeah, she transformed herself a lot for the role. <laughs> like, her costumes and, like, the makeup and her hair and all that kind of stuff are really, really good. Alright, do you have... I think you have an honourable mention before we get into our list. Oh, yeah, besides Hell or High Water, which Sean has already mentioned, um... An honorable honorable mention for me would be Everybody Wants Some. The Linklater uh, movie? Made by, yeah, made by Richard Linklater. I thought it was quite great. Uh, I don't think it's as good as uh, Days and Confused, which I also like a lot. Yeah, I, but I, I, I think... I think Link- when it comes to this kind of movie, um, Linklater handles, like, the subject matter and, and just the whole aesthetics really well. Yeah. I mean, this movie is quite fun so to watch. is it set 80s or 70s? 70s. Still, oh, yeah, because I think 70s. Linklater's came out and said it's a pseudo-sequel to... Mm. To Dazed and Confused. No, this this movie is really fun to watch. I mean, it's it's simple, simple premise. Basically, a uh, protagonist wants to get a girlfriend, or everyone's in the baseball team just trying to get laid. I mean, hence the name. Everybody wants some, but you know, <coughs> the chemistry between all the 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 like actors, uh, all the supporting actors, and everything. It's it's really good. Gonna, are they I mean, are they very well known? Because I can't remember seeing uh, anyone that I. No, I don't. I don't think so. But like, you know, all the character like. It, I think even on the behalf of the of, of writing the actors, um, the characters are written quite well because they all seem quite diverse. Oh, yeah. Even though like um, there's like I don't know twenty or thirty of them, you know, you, um, each one had like its own personality. They didn't all see them the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, some uh, were more interesting than others. But yeah, the, yeah, the film was just really enjoyable to watch. I mean, there's there's like um, there's like a scene where they're, they're just driving their car around. Just you know, to, to go pick up chicks, but like before they do that, they're all singing like a a, a, a funk song together. It's oh. great. They're all just like, they're all just like passing on who, who's singing which part. It's it's so good. It just it flows so well, and you know the movie's edited quite well, and, and it looks quite good too. Um, yeah, the aesthetics, the really colourful seventies. 
this film doesn't just like stick with you know disco style music. Uh, yeah, you think and, because seventies that would like yeah, just have like that, they yeah. like the the baseballs. They end up going to like country club. <laughs> Even one it is in, later on the movie, they go to a punk uh, con- oh, punk okay, concert. Wow. It's great. Yeah, Linklater has a very interesting filmography. There's yeah, a I lot reckon. of different movies there. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Linklater, but like when he make, I guess when he makes something like this, he does it really well. Yeah. I think you should stick with these kinds Th- of movies. Think, thinking of that, I don't actually think I've seen too many of his movies. Oh, I haven't. I think School of Rock might be the only one I've actually seen. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not. I- I've, too seen, huge I've seen of... parts of A Scandal Darkly oh, as well, but. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not huge of. A huge fan of Linklater's more philosophical stuff because uh, I find it a like bit Waking Life or like those yeah, or, or like Boyhood. His, his, his rotoscope animation movies like A Scan of oh, Darkly. I haven't or seen Wake, Wake I haven't seen Scan of Darkly, but something like Boyhood, very oh, yeah. I don't know, it wasn't as good as all not, those not critics the, said the before it was. Trilogy, have you seen any of those? Uh no, but they don't really interest me much mm-hmm. either. A trilogy of uh, like of romance, romantic, basically mumble. I mean, the, romantic comedies. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I mean, can, it's, I, I, I get I hear that's praise of being realistic in a sense. Um, but mm. I don't know. Couldn't they have just made it into one movie instead of made a yeah, fucking maybe. trilogy out of it? Jesus. Right. But yeah, everybody wants some. It's great. If you if you like Days and Confused, you're probably gonna like Everybody Wants Some. It's good fun. All right. Well, I did enjoy Days and Confused when because it's also a movie where you see a, like watching it now, especially like you've got a lot of young actors in one of some of their yeah. first film roles, like Ben Affleck in one of his first film roles, yeah. Matthew McConaughey, yeah, Matthew, in his young very first Matthew McConaughey, who's great in that movie. Yeah, so and he hasn't changed since 1993. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing a meme. It was um when Interstellar came out and it had Matthew McConaughey's um had Matthew McConaughey's character from um. Uh, <laughs> From Interstellar, and it mm. said, "That's what I love about these wormholes, man. <laughs> Everyone else gets older; I stay the same age." <laughs> oh, awesome! Um, all right, so I've got ten. I've got a top ten. You've got a top five. Yeah. I'll say my ten to six, and then we'll take turns in saying each other's five through mm. two or to one. Sorry. All right, so number ten on my list for the best movies of 2016 is Denis Villeneuve or Villeneuve does anyone know how to pronounce this name Villeneuve Villeneuve I've heard Villeneuve I've heard Villeneuve yeah it's yeah it's no one knows so Arrival it's Arrival um I love science fiction movies especially like kind of smart science fiction um like movies like Predestination Source Code um Interstellar as I just said Mm. they've all like topped my best list I mean with Arrival it seems like you know contact movies have been done before but like yeah this is this seems to be handled in a much more mature way where like yeah the, yeah instead of like fucking attack the aliens or I heard oh, that, that, that part does of, happen that does happen but eventually like, and the way that gets resolved is a little bit yeah um, a bit more we'll harder but before that happens it's it's like oh we're gonna try and communicate with the aliens we're gonna try and learn their language yeah honestly like I I think that this is probably the best representation of how we would react if aliens ever touched down on Earth. And it's and it's really helped by great Amy Adams. Like she's just Leo Di- female Leo DiCaprio right now because believe it or not, this is if she gets nominated, it will be her sixth Academy Award nomination. <laughs> and she's and her I think first she gets better in, every year, honestly. Exactly. In I think since because she only just started acting, I think in the late two thousands. Because hmm. I think one of her first roles was like a she was on an episode of Buffy. I think <laughs> in like two, in two thousand and one, and then a few years later, she got in that movie Junebug, which got her an Academy Award nomination, and then uh, really put her on the map. So and she was fantastic in this. Um, I don't know if she's going to beat Emma Stone in La La Land though, because La La Land's just going to sweep. Um, and 
Also, yeah. like, a lot of people have been praising this movie. I've heard some people say that it's perfect. I wouldn't really yeah, I've go... Heard, I've I heard would not go things. that far. I wouldn't go as far to say it was perfect. And almost like um, Dunedin, whatever his name is, his last movie, Sicario, like, we really need to learn his name because, <laughs> like, he's probably one of the best filmmakers at the moment. And he's making Blade Runner, so... Yeah, really excited for that. Which I think might turn out quite good. All right. Considering how he's yep. handling all this other stuff. So, so yeah, I've seen a lot of material. Yeah, I've seen a lot of other critics have had this like a lot higher on their lists, like up in like three, four, and even one. I'm surprised. Like Jeremy, it's I'm doing surprised. so well because I thought, like, I thought I, I knew this would get positive, but I didn't think like critics would be raving about the movie. Mm. Because, you know, contact movies, they've been done before, but this must have been done really oh, yeah. well. Sort of like, you know, Hell or High Water, you know, people seen, you know, films about bank robbers. Yeah, yeah. And even when they're doing it for, like, a moral cause, well, it kind of mm. isn't just moral cause, really, because the, yeah. the bank bank in the films portrayed, portrayed as evil. They're the real villains. Yeah. Um, even though the protagonists are really anti-heroes. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it seems to be there's a lot of films this year uh, that have... You know, mm. plots that are uh, stories that have been done before, but they've been executed much better than their predecessors, really. Yeah, yeah. As I was saying, like many critics have had this really high up on their list. Even um, internet, like YouTube critic Jeremy Johns had this as number one, his favorite movie of twenty sixteen. Really? Yeah, it beat Captain. Yeah, I don't America. usually agree it with beat, him. It beat though. Civil War. Like he yeah, he's a huge Marvel he, fan he, too, he, which he is like, weird. He, but he liked Suicide Squad, so let's just not <laughs> get into that. Um, the reason why it's not a lot higher on my list, and, um, well, when I actually saw this, a little story of when I saw this, um, the first time I went and saw it, um, as soon as they first, the, when the first time that they're making contact with the aliens, the movie just cut out, and when they brought it back, they literally fast-forwarded the film. Like, it took a while to get it back, and they fast-forwarded the film, and I think I missed, like, ten minutes of film the first time I saw it, because I missed a few key elements, and, like, they actually started learning the language, which looks like ink blot um the Rorschach yeah. ink block test. <laughs> yeah. like all their symbols like all their language is written and not spoken um yeah but the reason why it's not higher on my list is because when the big revelation for like why the aliens are actually on earth like when that's finally revealed it creates a lot of plot holes and it it ends it yeah. um it raises more questions than it answers and also like the whole opening of the film well which I'm not good well I'm not gonna spoil because it's actually Never mind. I'm saying too much. All this, a few previous scenes, especially the opening, it made it feel really emotionally manipulative. Oh, because, so it's force. Um, I wouldn't say force because, like, it's a gut. It's almost, it's almost like the beginning of Up. It's like a gut punch to the. Oh, okay. It, it's like an emotional gut punch. But then, mm. when the aliens are like, "Why they're here?" Like that scene feels like, okay, that was just there to, that was just there to emotionally to make us feel to make something. us feel sad. All right. So there was that. And but apart from that, like the movie's beautifully shot. Like it's not as it good. Like, like Ro- good. Roger Deakins. This is, I think, the first time, like in the in a couple of movies where Roger Deakins didn't do the cinematography for a Denis Villeneuve film. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's really shot. It's really engaging for a movie that's all about like. And it just kind of shows the importance of language and like our society and for us as a species to like yeah, kind of. You think about it. It's really language which makes the culture. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah, beautifully shot. And if you like smart science fiction, definitely watch Arrival. So if it comes out in DVD, like, I think in, like, February or March, definitely watch it. It's worth it. All right. My number nine. Um, another indie movie that did not... Well, Arrival's not really an indie movie, but this is an no. independent <laughs> movie that got literally no attention, saw literally no press for, 
And well, I don't know if it's just wise. It was it, it was reviewed quite well. It was reviewed very well. It, yeah. it won it won awards at Sundance and Cannes, and that is Captain Fantastic. And I think the reason why, like, people would probably go into this thinking that it was a fucking superhero movie. It's <laughs> the exact opposite. Like, it, it is. Well, maybe far, they thought I it think, would have been generic I, I indie think, movie comedy, but yeah. I mean, this looks a lot more interesting and colourful is it it sort of reminds me just looking at the movie a bit of Little Miss Sunshine is it it does have that kind of feel to it like for those of you who don't know what it's about um it stars Viggo Mortensen in this movie he's his wife has just part um his wife has just passed away and him and his wife have been and he him and his wife have been raising his children in the middle of the forest somewhere in um Oregon or somewhere and he's training them to be basically live to live off the land and to like be essentially like like really mm. and like they're really smart they're like really agile they're really stro- yeah like hunter gatherers and then also like really 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 intelligent kids and then it's one of the most original and most interesting films that I've seen like probably ever like and then and then <coughs> but then the movie just kind of because then they find out that. Ben finds out, or Viggo Mortensen's character finds out that his wife is dead, and because I think she was dying of cancer or something, I think. And then the movie kind of turns into a road trip film, from it turns into a road trip film for them going to her funeral, and then her, her and then um, her father, who's played by I think Frank Langella, um, he hates um, Viggo Mortensen's <laughs> character and what he's done and he, wa- he wants to try and take custody of the kids and like doesn't want him or them to go to their funeral it was such an interesting film and I mean Viggo Mortensen he he's someone that like after Lord of the Rings you don't really hear much from him no until he, he does, does like great acting until work, he does like a really good movie like mm. the movies that he did with um David Cronenberg um, yeah, History East, of Violence and um, Eastern, Eastern Promises, Promises. fucking amazing in mm. those and yeah he, he I don't think I've seen a bad movie with Viggo Mortensen in it he always chooses very very interesting roles and I guess roles that he wants to do like he I, I've never seen a movie where like he's just there to collect a paycheck yeah, it's like, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. You know, every role must really matter to him. He doesn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, want a paycheck film. He probably doesn't want to ever make it being a bad film. No. He just wants to do really good, memorable exactly. roles. Exactly. He's not He's not like Nicolas Cage, where it's because he needs mm. money. Because he has, like, background. you got to love Nick Cage. Mm. I mean, Nick Cage, he has variety. Oh, my God. Uh, variations just, of crazy. I'm just wondering if this movie had Nick Cage in it now. That would be interesting. <laughs> Nick Cage's Ca- cameo. Ca- Captain Fan... No, if um, Viggo Mortensen's character was played by um, oh, Nicholas played Cage. played by Nick Cage. All right. Um, Nick but- Cage plays Viggo Mortensen and plays as, Ben. As Ben, or Captain Fantastic. Um, the movie does, like, a really great job. Like, as I said, v- Viggo Mortensen, like, the movie did get some award recognition because he did get nominated for Best Actor at the Golden Globes. Probably won't f- at the Oscars because this movie just doesn't have enough like of a marketing and mm. like consideration like a push behind it to get him I don't know if it if to get it, him like, nominated cuz for a film to be nominated as a or to be eligible for being nominated as an Oscar film doesn't it have to like stay like I for a certain so. amount of time in in a certain state of America I, I think, don't remember I think where so, yeah something might be Los Angeles maybe Cal yeah like this movie it's very I guess it's it's light-hearted in in parts, but then it's like really, really sad in other moments. Like it's such a roller coaster ride as well, and it kind of all of the children, 
all the child actors that play um, Viggo Mortensen's kids in this, they're all fantastic. <laughs> like they're all they're all really good. Even like the four or five year olds who are like reciting, I think like uh, Kierkegaard or like um, <laughs> or like Nietzsche or something like that. Little philosophers, yeah, like. little, little philosophers and things like that. Yeah, that they, they were really good. And the movie also does a really great job of making you feel conflicted because, like, you can see that Ben, like, um, Ben. Okay, we're just going to call Viggo Mortensen's character from his uh, from his name in the movie. He, you can see that he really, really loves his kids, and like, what he's doing with his kids is great. Like, mm. it's good. But then it also shows it from another angle and shows, oh, hold on, like this yeah, well, is this is child abuse. In a sense, in a sense, well, not getting child a proper abuse, and they're upbringing. not getting, a, yeah, and like he's hiding, like. Like, and one of his sons wants, like, he's just turned 18, and, like, he wants to go to university, and, like, he's secretly sent, I think he sent uh, an application to Yale, and he got accepted, and he's trying to hide it from his dad, and, yeah, so it's a really, really interesting experience, and I'd recommend, and also... It's like a little hidden gem, mm, really. Yeah, it is, and also, the the movie pokes fun at Christianity as well, so, like, it's always... Like they, yeah. like the kids, they don't. Um, instead of celebrating Christmas, they celebrate Noam Chomsky Day. <laughs> like because they say, like, oh, who would you rather? Would you rather celebrate a false, like a guy who claimed to be, like, the son of God, or would you rather celebrate a profound linguist, philosopher, mm. or thing that made amazing discoveries for the human race? And well, you know, I, hope, I hope the jokes oh yeah. don't come off as like oh yeah. I don't know. And then bashing. Th- there's also a few like fish out of water jokes as well, like. There's one where they go into a doctor's office. Like, I think they go into a doctor's office because I think one of them's sick or something. I can't exactly remember. One of the kids is sick. And they have a look around and they're, all the people in there are so fat. And then it's like, why are they all so fat? And it was like, <laughs> we, you don't make fun of... It's like, don't make fun of them. You know the rules. Like, yes, we don't make fun of everyone, anyone except for Christians. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, great movie. I, I want to start celebrating Noam Chomsky Day. So, it's awesome. All right, please check it out. All right. Number eight, probably the I tossed up between this of what was the best animated film of the year. Like Kubo and the Two Strings was really good, but I heard on the story front it was, it's a little simple. on a story front it's very simple. Like the it, it's, and it gets a little worse at the end, but the uh, animation yeah, is good. The animation was fantastic, I but um, the movie that I thought was my number eight spot and the movie that I thought was the best animated film for all of last year. I did not see the Red Turtle. I know you're going to talk about that. Yeah, in a sec. is the best. But Moana, um, this movie was just an absolute delight to watch. Um, it was everything I love about Disney put into put put on screen, and it was one of the last movies I saw in 2016, and I'm so glad I did. Like, it's still got Disney tropes. I mean, like, there's a few there's a few dumb jokes. I mean, I think there's a joke about there's a joke about. You have tweet- to remember, it's a it's yeah, a I know, but there, there's a joke about tweeting in the movie, which was felt a bit out of place. Like, well, is it like set in modern day? No, no. That's like fucking. I will retarded. say, but it was interesting to see like um, Polynesian and like um, like Pacific Island um, well, culture. I hope they betrayed in, in a good sense. Yeah, yeah. They, they. Well, I'm not quite sure, but I hope they don't get Polynesians wrong. Yeah, I, like, I don't think. Disney doesn't really have a tendency for getting cult, um, uh, cultures. I'm not really sure. They, 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 they have, it. they have, they have a tendency for historical inaccuracy. Just have a look. Oh, at, yeah, just look yeah, at Pocahontas. Yeah. Well, oh, well, <laughs> don't remember that. Okay. But yeah, I mean, well, their first objective is really to make like well enjoyable mm. uh, story. Yeah. That's, but yeah, Moana was just so much fun. I, it, I just, it was. 
like it's as I said, it's everything I loved about Disney. All the characters were really good. Like it was actually refreshing to see like a really strong female lead who's like who doesn't really like the, you know, there's no love interest in this movie. Oh, thank which is, God! So which it's not is great. Be like like the, the most the, clo- the closest they have to that is like um, Maui who's like the demigod that they're on the quest with and they have kind of like a brother-sister like banter kind of relationship with each other which mm. they work off each other really well and The Rock as Maui was a really good casting choice I think yeah I, I, I could have gone without hearing him sing like that was well, he, 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 wasn't, good. he wasn't terrible like it was just like there, there's better did it take you out of the film there, not really no like I, but when I found out that Lin-Manuel Miranda who did the mu- musical Hamilton um, was doing the songs for this oh, like yeah. I thought that I would hear him sing a bit like that kind of like with Phil Collins in um, Tarzan but like a lot of the characters sing the songs which is good um, but yeah Lin-Manuel Miranda is such a good singer and such a good songwriter like all the songs from Hamilton are amazing and all the songs from this are really 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 catchy as well yep it's just I, w- I walked out of the cinema with an overwhelming sense of joy from this movie and a giant idiot grin on my face like I don't. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Well, that's good. And I've seen it twice now. I mean, it's better for a film to beat your own expectations, yeah. really. Then you enjoy it more. Mm. Also, but one one little thing. I don't know if it was necessary for Alan Tudyk to voice the chicken, <laughs> because the yeah. chicken actually say anything. No, it's just chicken. It's just buck, buck. I'm just that for those noises. I'm like, Alan, you don't have to put. They just Alan wanted Tudyk. his name in. Yeah, well, the Alan. Film. Tu- well, interesting you say that, Alan Tudyk. He must have signed a contract with Disney or something because he's been a voice in every Disney animated film since Tangled. And he was also did the motion capture and the voice for K2SO in Rogue One. So yeah. he must have signed a big long-term deal with Disney to... Maybe he's like secretly Disney's like gimp or something. They just keep him in a dungeon under yeah. Disneyland. It's just like, yeah. I'm, it's I'm, like, summon the Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not making enough money from Firefly reunions anymore. I need, I need to do <laughs> animated films. Alright, yeah, so Moana, it's still in cinemas, it should, it should still be in cinemas, so please see it, you, you'll really enjoy it, especially, like, if, you, if you're a big Disney fan, you'll really enjoy it. Now, 2016, big, big mixed bag for superhero films, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, they try to make original stuff, I mean, the most original thing is obviously <clears throat> Deadpool. Yep. Although I don't really like Deadpool that Deadpool? much. Deadpool? Well, I absolutely fucking love Deadpool, and Deadpool is my number seven. Deadpool was so refreshing for me, and like I'm is... a massive fan of meta humor, and like because one of yeah. my fa- one of my favorite TV shows of all time is Community, and it can be extremely difficult to do, and this movie Definitely. does it perfectly. It does it does it quite well, I find. Some some meta jokes, um, I don't know, seem a bit I don't know how to explain forced maybe. Uh, maybe not so or maybe it's just meta or just meta humor overload but um at least at least Deadpool did something different to all mm. the superhero movies like you know make itself a, a meta film that was also so, a bit of a romance yeah, it so- like it wasn't like superhero romance where it's just no. you know the superhero just has to have a fucking love interest so he can save her no, whenever well, she's in trouble she actually like, kind of felt like a character in this yeah movie, she felt yeah. like even though she was a damsel stress she felt like a character at least, at least they established like a proper romance mm. at the beginning of the and film they, they do shit all over like it's a massive um, satire of superhero films yeah a lot of while, them, they poke fun at X-Men that's, yeah, that's funny whilst being like it's a satire of superhero films while also being a really entertaining superhero film yeah it's quite entertaining to watch I, I kind of wish there was more 
it, stupid action. It was like it was like Kingsman in the way that it was a self-aware like taking yeah, the yeah. piss out of this, but then it's also a really really entertaining movie of that genre as well. I progressively liked the movie less as it went on because then yeah, it kind of turned I, into more superhero movie, like like with, yeah, the big finale and. But like, oh, the, but the opening was just great. The, the like when, when they had the opening, the credits. Oh yeah, opening credits. That was that was funny as. <laughs> Where yeah. it has like, um, oh, made by oh, some yeah. guy you don't know, yeah. <laughs> and like starring a moody teen. Yeah, God, God's gift to mankind or whatever. Yeah, or like no Hollywood's great, most beautiful idiot or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that was no, hilarious. That it was, was funny. Ryan uh, Gosling making fun. Ryan Gosling. Oh no, sorry. You're getting your Canadian Ryan right. Reynolds. You're getting you're your making Cana- fun of himself. You're getting your Canadian right. Yeah, I'm getting. Up. They shouldn't. They should have different names. First names at least. One should just be Ryan with an one, E at the end. Yeah. Or Ryan with an I. Or one could just be Rye. The other one could be Ryan. I don't know. All right. Yeah. And speaking of Ryan Reynolds, he was just perfect. Yeah, Ryan like, Reynolds. I cannot see anyone I mean, else. Marvel. That. Marvel even said that, like, uh, in a Deadpool comic, that Deadpool looks like a Crispin uh, Ryan Reynolds. Um. Have you seen what um like um what Ryan Reynolds has said? Like, if he gets an Oscar nomination, if Deadpool, if he gets a Best Actor nomination for Deadpool, like how what he'll do? What would he do? Oh, he said he's gonna make. A, he's gonna go absolutely fucking nuts. Mad. And like he's gonna film his reaction if he gets it. Hope he goes nuts to the Oscars. <laughs> oh god. Uh, I hope he. Re- I fuck Os- Oscar writers. If you're listening, please, 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 one of the please. awards. Please get um, Ryan Reynolds to present one of the awards as Deadpool. Just please do that. That would be so good. That would be quite entertaining. I would love that. Or just get dead. Just fuck Jimmy Kimmel. Get Deadpool to host the Oscars. Exactly. Screw Jimmy Kimmel and his really fake ass charisma. Mm. Him and Jimmy Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Jeez. All right. So Deadpool, you've probably seen it by now. Like. It yeah. made it made more money in the US and Canada than it did than Batman v Superman, which was really yeah. surprising. Sadly, not Suicide Squad, but well, that's your fault, America. All right, number six and last one before we get on to your to your best list. Um, oh, we can keep going six. for yours. What? Uh, we'll, we'll do. We'll each do our number fives. We'll, All right. I'll do my number five. You do your number five. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, do like one. I do one. You do one. All right. So my number six movie is a New Zealand film that. Fucking hell, New Zealand! Like, we make us Aussies might bloody belt you at sport because. But why do you have to make better movies than us? Well, I mean, didn't an Australian make your favorite film from last yeah, year? Yeah, I know, but sorry, an Australian Fury or was that your second? Yeah, oh favorite? no, Fury Road was my favorite movie last year, but that well, was, was technically like even though it was it massive, was made by an Australian. Yeah, and but it would they they had a lot of other people. Yeah, they had a lot of other backing. But, yeah. But this was full New Zealand film, and that's Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm. Like New Zealand always put us to shame with their movies. Like their movies are just so charming and entertaining. Like and Taika Waititi, he's becoming one of my favorite filmmakers at the moment. Like this, what we do in the shadows, boy, Eagles versus Eagle versus Shark. He's becoming like this really, really good indie director. But then he's probably not going to be indie director much longer because he's oh, directing no. Thor Ragnarok. Which I am very excited to see what he does. Well, let's, with that. let's hope that he doesn't stop doing his little indie features every now and then. Mm. And he doesn't go full a mainstream yeah. director. Did, so, did you see this? Did you see Hunt for the Wilder People? No, I haven't. Uh, but oh. I've gotten a lot of recommendations to, to watch. Yeah, it. Liam told you to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be mostly be New Zealanders and Australians which, which would relate to this film most. 
or get get its sense of humor really. Mm. Yeah, but, it, a lot yeah. of New Zealand kind of humor is in a it. A lot of and, New Zealand humor, and it, it's so good to see Sam Neill like doing being actually good in the movie because mm. he was starting to be like like phoning it in and collecting paychecks for <laughs> movies and things like that. Like yeah. I, I reckon I saw him in about five director DVD films like that came out in one week. But it's good to see well, him back, and he's actually pay the bills. Yeah, I know. It, it, they got to keep the lights on, and so he was great in that movie. And also, young another another the young actor who played uh, Ricky Baker in the film, uh, Julian Dennison. Like mm. I think he was in. I think I've seen him before. I think he was in the Aussie film Paper Planes. Yeah, I and think he, he, was. he was. Yeah, and uh, he was like he was a supporting character in that. He didn't really do much, but mm. in this movie, he's just so just so likable, and uh, and. And Sam Neill and they work off each other really well. Like it's as I said, it's a father son kind of relationship in there because he's a foster kid and he's obviously his foster dad, and they're on the run because I can't actually remember why. But well, they just become criminals. I don't know. Oh, they they become criminals at some point. I think. Oh no no, they get confused because um they think that um Sam Neill has kidnapped this kid. Oh. And so now child protection and like the New Zealand police are going after him. Nice. Yeah. It's it's a really really um like really heartfelt really funny movie and like there's it's kind of about like finding where you belong and like the importance of family and things like that and it's yeah it's a good message and also um another Kiwi actress um Rachel House as the child services officer she's oh, she so, good she's so good like there's a moment in the movie where like she confronts Ricky Baker and it's like I'll never uh, I think like Ricky Baker's like. I'll never stop running and she's like yeah I'll never stop chasing you I'm like the Terminator and you're Sarah Connor but you know in the first movie before she started doing chin ups <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great so Hunt for the Wilder People definitely see it it's a really great movie and it did well it did pretty well overseas too like it That's did, it did it did well in the US and uh, or in the UK and did very well, well in, good for the did New very Zealand well sh- did uh, very, film industry yeah it did very well in New Zealand i think it's now it's what got one of the box office records there for like obviously lord of the rings still yeah. has records there but yeah and it did really well in australia i think it topped the australian box office one of the weeks it was here so that was really good all right so now we're going to get into our top five. Eric's going to start his. All right. So do you have yours in any particular order? Or uh, you... Unfortunately, I don't. All right. Oh, well, I, I do have one film that uh, I find to be probably my f- personal favorite film of the year, but I'll get to that one later. All right. So, so I've, I've, out of these movies, which one do you um, like not that you don't like as much as the rest of them? Uh, which is your least favorite? Well, it's, it's kind of hard because they're all very different. Yeah. And for... like all these movies are so diverse, like... You know, one's like a, a, a you know, thriller, um, panic room type esque film. Yep. Um, you know, one's like like a weird uh, erotic drama. Uh, one's like a, a like a mystery film. Starts off like a detective film, then you know, turns it progressively turns into like a supernatural film. Oh, wow. With like horror elements, which is really cool. And then, of course, there's Moonlight there, um, which oh, okay. is everyone's we've, favorite we've dis- drama. We've, we've discussed that. So. Yeah, we've already really discussed. I, I could add more onto that. Um, all right. That's all right. So, well, since you've already got Moonlight there and you've talked about that, I might mention my number five, and then we can go through your four then. Mm. All right, so my number five is actually another New Zealand film, but this one's a documentary. Um, it's the movie called Tickled. Have you heard anything about this? Well, I've heard that it's good, and i heard it's about like a strange... Uh, um, like a group, yeah. Were they in 
so, tickle each other with feathers. Yeah, it's. A very I don't know much about it at all. So yeah, the, so the documentary follows this New Zealand reporter who works for like Sky News, like he works for like Sky News or something over in New Zealand. His name's David Ferrier, and uh, he stumbled he stumbled across this Facebook page that had a video of a new quote unquote sport called mm. competitive endurance tickling. And he was like, "Oh, this looks weird. I want to do a story." Like, cause he he he's a reporter that specialises in like really weird, bizarre kind of news. Nice, like the little fluff pieces that you see at the end of the news and things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he does like those things, and he he just emailed this pe- the people that made this video. I was like, "Hey, I want to do an this. I want to do an interview with it, you guys." And then from from then it just turns into like he gets <coughs> sent all of this abuse from these people and like. And like, well, we don't want to be associated with you because you're gay and things like that. We don't want to bring this stuff into our sport and all this. And then he's like, he got people to Auckland to talk about like, what do you do? And, and he still didn't get any answers. So he goes over to America, to LA and to a bunch of places over in America to investigate about what this competitive, this competitive tickling competition or whatever it is. And what he discovers is this movie is one of the most compelling, hilarious and shocking documentaries that I've ever seen Mm. it is so like i mean i already knew the outcome and what happened and what i think well after just that little um um uh uh, summary you can probably expect where this is going to go but like i i heard a podcast about this um like one of the episodes of the podcast the dollop with dave anthony and gareth reynolds they did an episode talking about this and so i already knew what was happening but to actually see um, Farrier try to uncover and expose these people for what was really going on and also to see people that like were that took part in this and like what happened to them as a result of being in that and like the abuse that they've caught that they've caught from being in there and also seeing the people that are involved like that run this thing try to cover up and like what's really happening it was absolutely fascinating to see Sounds like it's going to be a really interesting watch. Oh, it is. <laughs> it really is. And, um, yeah, and it's one of those documentaries, like, uh, the issue still isn't resolved. So, like... So there's still much debate behind There's it. still a lot of debate behind nice. this, and there's still lawsuits and things like that happening about this. Like, I'm not going to say too much about it, because this is one of those things, yeah, like... you probably want it to... Need, it needs you'd to have be, to experience it yourself. It needs to be seen to be believed. So, Tickled. It just came out in DVD in December. It's a very incredible, very bold, brave piece of documentary filmmaking. And please watch it. It's well worth your time. All right. So, your number four. Um, or just one out of my top five. Uh... Well, I'm going to talk about Green Room. I know Sean's seen Green Room. Yeah. Um, Green Room, if I had more... Um, if I had more um, spaces on my list, I would probably put Green Room on, as an honourable mention as Although well. Although it kind of averted your expectations, really, it of did, what you yeah. thought it was going to be. Because you, I'm guessing you thought uh, you imagined the film to be a bit more of a slasher, which it yeah, wasn't so I, much. It wasn't I, as gory as you wanted it to be. Uh, not as gory, not as I wanted it. It was not as gory as I thought it would be. Yeah, as thought you would be. Yeah, and it, which I, I kind of liked because I thought it was just going to be a, a violent slasher. Because uh, I, I know that the the director mm. was it yeah, Jeremy uh, Jeremy Solnier. I really I really like Blue Ruin. Yeah, I like. I can't Blue remember Ruin. anything from Blue Ruin, but I really really enjoyed it. I remember, oh, I, really I remember enjoyed it. Blue Ruin quite well. It was a great film, and just like Blue Ruin, the the film just looks excellent. Oh, it it's does. Really great cinematography and color correction. 
yeah, so Green Room, yeah, not not as as violent as like a slasher mm. it seems to be in, in its trailers, but still a great yeah. film. Like I um, just yeah, I guess this like the sick sadistic person in me just wished that there there were, they had more creative ways that people got off. Well, like, they got I, I sort of liked instead how, of just being mauled by dogs. I just I sort of liked how they just killed such um, and, yeah. Instead of well, them I, just being, I don't want to say mundane ways, but in such quick ways. Yeah, it's sort of like but it, they were all dog it, maulings though. Oh, most like, of half of them were dog maulings. Really, it, it, it felt like it, it felt a lot more realistic. It wasn't like you know these are just some horror movie. You know, villains that were just going to hack the shit out. Well, they did. They do hack the shit out of people. It's not like in the center. Oh, I lopped off your arm, and you know, now you're missing your arm, and you know, lop off their head or something like that. It's it's, it's a lot more. It's a lot more brutal in the sense, like, um, like a lot of the violence looks more realistic. Like people just get like yeah, they get yeah, hacked. It does. They just they really just get hacked up. Like it yeah, was. It's, it oh, gets the, pretty the arm, messy. The, the, the arm, arm. Yeah, that was, that was a very good uh, that was great practical effect. effect. And I will say, like, I watched this after Anton Yelchin passed away, and it was very, very difficult to, yeah. like, watch it in that way. Yeah, that that, that was a tragedy. And especially especially because so he's young. and he was so good in Blue Ruin as well. Yeah. I mean, not Blue Ruin, sorry, oh, Green Room. No, yeah, Green Room. Yeah. Green Room. No, it was, it was great in Green Room. I mean, I, I, I really liked how um, the director... I really liked what he did with the, the film's characters and the, and the plot. Like, a lot of people, they criticized the film for being, like... A bit stupid because the characters yeah. make dumb decisions, but they don't seem like the brightest characters anyway. No, well, they're just a bunch the, the, of the, dumb the, rockers. The, the, dire- the director is called this like this murder party in blue, Ruin, yeah, like the unofficial like inept protagonist trilogy. If you really think about it, like I don't know, it's, oh, yeah, just, the, it's the, a weird way to the defend the film, but yeah, like the in a real life situation, like you will make mistakes. Yeah, if, if, like, if this the is a real pressure, stri- but, amount of pressure and fear you'd be under. Yeah, like. And like they even like established like some of these characters are real hotheads, so no wonder like this one. Well, they're dude, playing in a bloody neo-Nazi bar. What they're playing in a neo-Nazi bar, yeah. And the and the like the the villains or um um Patrick Stewart is a oh, is a great so villain in, in this. Like there was a lot. A lot of people were complaining that like he didn't have that one scene where he just went fucking ape shit. I'm like, no, no I'm he, glad he, he was, was scary. He was scarier as the more methodical yeah, kind, the more of, methodical, quiet kind of oh guy. And it was great at the end where he got well, spoiler at the end where he gets confronted and he just, yeah, and he just like, uh, you know, he doesn't just accept his death, but he's not like he's not a coward about it. No, and no. yeah, yeah. Green Green was great. Like it has some kind of commentary to do with like uh, the entertainment system. How like yeah, the little yeah, punk, yeah. the little indie films, always being kept down by the Nazi, big, uh, the big, the big media, um, big yeah, films, yeah. the the more popular ones, which yeah. is quite great. And the aesthetics is just yeah, it's brilliant. Mm. Like like I, I just I just love how. They turn this lumberyard into this Nazi clubhouse, yeah, yeah. and it's like you know Nazi uh, riding graffiti yeah, everywhere. Like, like I heard one complaint that like, the green room didn't have enough penises drawn on the wall, oh, but okay. I mean, whatever. That, 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 but, they did their best to make that place look like a total. Oh, hole, it, didn't they? it did. It looked. <laughs> it looked, it looked dingy place. and disgusting, and it was you know created. There was just this abandoned lumberyard, and I, and I love how like there's a part in the film where. Um, there was a guy on the cleanup. He was he was cleaning up the mess. And he's just yeah. painting over everything. Yeah. So then, like, so then, like, this thought comes across your mind, like, this shit must happen quite yeah, often, often for these dudes. Yeah, I know. 
Green Room. Is, yeah, it's, it's, green. It's, a, it's a great film. It's a bit underrated, I find. Yeah. Um, it was forgotten. It was. It came out early. Yeah, this I will year say everyone forgot about it. Mm. Well, another movie that I have that a lot of people overlooked, like, but for very different reasons, I think. Like Green Room, I think the ultra violence and things kind of ultra violence and sort of the, the simple realistic plot, nature of it. Like, well, yeah, sort of the simple overall plot mm. kind of put people off. But you know, it's, it's the kind of movie where it's more about the themes and everything than the yeah. plot. I think, well, for my movie, my number four movie, I think it's it, it was overlooked and um, kind of done, but like like what Green Room was, but for a very different reason, not from ultra for ultra violence and um, just their thing, but just for the outlandish nature and how bizarre the concept of this movie is. Yeah. And that Swiss Army Man. Oh yeah. You have you, you haven't seen it? Have no, you? I haven't seen it. But Swiss, look, if you had told me at the start of the year that a movie where a man uses a farting corpse as a jet ski would be one <laughs> of my favorite movies of the year, I would have said you were completely fucking bonkers. But somehow, somehow, I don't know how Swiss Army Man just managed to be one of the most beautiful, strangely inspiring movies I've probably ever seen. Yeah, like, it looks like a real interesting it's, film. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely unlike creative. anything that I've never seen. I, I heard this is sort before. of a transgender film. Uh, as well as... you can. Here's the thing: like, there's a lot of theories, and like, it's open to interpretation a lot. Um, I don't it know. If, I don't like know that. if that's the. I don't know if that's the. Well, um, just looking from the trail, I think it might have something to do with like loneliness or. Oh yeah, it's maybe about, to probably do... about depression. Like yeah, you, you, you can depression. see if it's depression or it, like transgender seems, or just like. Because what I'm thinking, what what might, might be happening in reality is that this guy's just lugging this corpse around, he's pretending that it's his best friend, or maybe there's no corpse to it at all. Or, yeah, or, it's it's very left open to interpretation, like what Manny actually is and like what actually happened to mm-hmm. this. What's actually happened to um, uh, Hank in the movie? Just like and just some of the like interesting things. Like the main character's name is Hank. I mean, that's an obvious reference to Castaway, right mm, there. Yeah, I'm surprised that Manny's last name wasn't Wilson. In all honesty, but <laughs> Wilson. Yeah, um, it's such a great. And speaking of which, Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. I wonder if that movie could were... be a metaphor for Limbo. Like, I'm just. <laughs> it's just it's just the protagonist and his corpse trying to get yeah get to I mean, heaven. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think the movie was going to be as deep as it was. Like, and I don't know if that's intentional or not because of uh, just seeing. The I mean, because it looks like a silly di- film. Yeah, because like... the directors, the Daniels, they said like we basically we wanted to we wanted to make a movie where a guy uses a fighting corpse as a jet ski, and then we just kind of built a movie around mm. that. I'm guessing they probably did incorporate some, you know, like ideas and themes. Yeah, like... ideas and themes, but like. Um... They they probably wanted to they probably wouldn't want to admit it they probably want the viewer to figure that out so which is why they they yeah. probably just say this is just a film with it's, a guy riding a fighting corpse as a jet ski I mean oh it's one of the funniest movies of the year too it like, looks like it's got some great slapstick. it, it, it tells yeah it's the some of the slapstick's great like some of there's there's a lot of like weird like he like Manny's erection that is the compass like. <laughs> Like he has to show, like they find a swimsuit magazine. He has to show Manny, and like he, they oh, use his that's wang. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's like I think your wang's, I, I think your wang is pointing his way home or something like that. I think that's the line <laughs> of the movie. And another thing that I found really surprising about this is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is kind of, it's almost it's, narrating what's happening oh, in the movie so that's as it goes along. The soundtrack, so it's kind of like it's kind of like a cappella-ish kind of, like it's. Straight and it's a very euphoric soundtrack. I absolutely loved it. Like I've got it on my 
I've got it on my iPod. Well, that's I great. A soundtrack that actually contributes to the story. Yeah, sort of yeah. Like, like with Drive, really. Yeah, it does. But um, the characters are actually singing or like humming this kind <laughs> nice. of thing. Nice. Like they, they, there's a thing. Uh, like Jurassic Park is mentioned a few times in it. Really? Like yeah, they they hum like one of the tracks on the um, on the soundtrack is them humming the Jurassic Park theme. Nice. Like I'm not going to do it here because of copyright. But... Yeah. <laughs> Copyright um, strike second podcast. Yeah, oh, that was great. I haven't even posted this one yet. Um, <laughs> well, way to date it. Um, but yeah, it's should have just streamed bizarre, if you wanted to like it, yeah. c- cinematography in this movie as well. Like it's so really. Yeah, really I mean, good. it looks like um, like because they're filming it in like a foresty area. It looks like it has some some really nice scenery. Yeah, yeah, and also just this movie. Like this is their fir- the the two guys that made this. Like they go under the name Daniels because they're both first name and Dan- is Daniel. Mm. And it just made me think because if the actors are Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe and yeah. the two directors were named Daniel. This would have been a fucking confusing as hell set to be on. <laughs> yeah, so Swiss Army Man, like a criminally underseen movie. It's very outlandish, did it and make, very bizarre. Did it make money? Like um, with its return? I'm not Boxes. sure. I think ju- I think it just broke even. Oh. I think you know it was only made for. Th- Actually, no, it did. It did make money. I think it made. Th- it was made for three million dollars, and I think it made about ten million worldwide. Okay, so yeah, that's that's not. Yeah, it's not terrible, great, but like it, not enough people saw yeah. it, and I think I think the premise just like like well, pe- people, people walked off. out of it. When, pe- they when, probably didn't think it was when this played at Cannes. When it played at Cannes or Sundance, I can't remember. People walked out oh, in the middle geez. of the movie. Yeah, that's just harsh. I mean, it's, the, the, the Cannes I mean, audience it's, can be it's really de- brutal. It's definitely not for everyone, and my my dad couldn't even get through the first twenty minutes. <laughs> but like, if you if you like movies, like like you, yeah, if you if don't you mind like a movies silly film that are refreshingly different and like, yeah, well, if you don't mind something that's silly, then and extremely unique you, yeah. as well, silly like, yet it you, can be philosophical you, at times. Yeah, you you'll really love Swiss Army yeah. Man as much as I did. I think it's a great movie. But there were three more movies this year that I loved even more. And right, what's one of yours? Your next one. Uh, let's talk about The Wailing. The Wailing. Now, yes. I am not aware of it's this a, It's Please a Korean film. Um, I don't remember what its name was in Korean, but I'm just going to call it The Wailing. You know? um, now, The Wailing, this is a really interesting film. Like, um, oh, I don't remember where I found it. Is it a documentary? Or no, it's it... a film. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know where I found it, but like, you know, I just found it, started, you know, read about it. And I thought, oh wow, this this sounds interesting. Like, um, because uh, before I saw this, I saw Memories for Murder, uh, Memories of Murder. And I, and I love that movie. This movie's great. Okay. Who, so who I was hoping, um, that's, that's not a Michael Haneke one, is it? Or no, no, it? Memories of Murder is a Korean film. Oh, uh, yeah, made no, by no. um, is it John John uh, Bo? Yeah, or? him. Yeah, he made a uh, Snowpiercer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the yeah the wailing was just it was great. Uh, um, it's it's really strange because like. If you don't know anything about it, you start watching the film. It seems like just you know a detective film. It seems like it would, it would have uh, you know there's a lot of mis- it's shrouded with a lot of mystery because you don't exactly know what's going on. Except you don't you suspect that there's going to be something. There may be something supernatural behind it, but you you don't think that there is. As this film uh, as the film progresses, uh, progresses the film becomes more surreal or supernatural at least. Yeah, which is which is I, well, I find it a relief, honestly, because it's so it's it's such a diff, it's such a strange turn to take like a detective film about people going like nuts over they think it was mushrooms that did it. Oh, really? And it turns out, and the the film gets really interesting. In its final act. Um, there's a, a suspicious Japanese man that lives in the mountains, and people suspect that he's chucked a curse on the village, 
and oh, really? you know then then the protagonist decides or the protagonist's mother decides to bring in a shaman to to get rid of the um the so-called uh, ghosts they they call them and what's what's really interesting is uh so they bring the shaman you know he does he does a few rituals and, and all that but then they bring in other supernatural characters like they bring in there's a there's like a woman that that you, you see she's stalking the the japanese man and you're not even too sure if the japanese guy is um is really a ghost or not um honestly because it because it seems like um it seems like he doesn't actually want to hurt the people that are trying to uh, oh, like man. attack him and you always see this and you see this japanese woman like in the background she's just stalking the guy she eventually kills him oh spoiler yeah. whoops my bad eventually right? kills him and i'll forget by the time i see yeah. it yeah well, I don't know. I mean, where it, where it gets near the end is where it gets really interesting. But then okay. I'm going to go into deep spoiler territory. I don't know if, if I should keep mentioning, but yeah. Just issue a warning if you want to talk about it. Yeah, well, I, I, would you mind if I... That's fine. Yeah, yeah all right. Yeah, spoiler warning. So, right. so how many spoilers from now on? How long do you it's, think we'll talk about this for? For about four minutes or so? Like, how long? Oh, maybe a little while. I'll, I'll, right. try, and, I'll try and be all right, quick skip, with it. Skip ahead about five minutes if you don't want to hear spoilers for the way. Yeah, well... So okay, so after the Japanese Japanese man is killed or presumed killed, um, the the this the shaman still says there's a threat around, and then he tells he tells the protagonist that the Japanese man wasn't actually the um the ghost, and you know still uh, he's oh, I forgot to mention before that his daughter became possessed because they're, they're the the curse basically is, and what you may not notice when you, while you're watching the film is. Like these these mushrooms that the guy was talking about, that that's like a little like a, it sets a trap basically on a household. So when a person enters in the household, people that are afflicted with this um, so called like disease, it seems like because they have red rashes and stuff, they 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 just turn insane. They just lose their mind and go completely insane. It's like killing everyone around them. So um, after they kill the Japanese people, still the guy's daughter still has rashes. She's still acting aggressive. And, and it turns out this this uh, woman in white, this Korean woman, she she's got some supernatural ability. Cause she makes the the shaman sick. But what, what's what's a really big twist is it turns out the Japanese man's still alive at the end of the film. Jeez. He's a ghost. He can't be killed. He's a ghost, but he's in flesh and bone. He ends up killing this Christian. There's a Korean Christian priest at the end that goes. He goes. Um, he has a cave in his hut and goes to confront him. And he says, "Oh." Are you are you are you the devil? And and then he allows the 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 Japanese guy to explain himself. And it's so strange too because he has before he kills people he takes pictures of him. Before he kills the guy, he takes a picture of him. It's so the strange. It's so strange, but it's great to watch. I mean, the cinematography is really good. Um, they do a lot of like match shots. Oh, and the the scenery and the background, the, the location is just. It's just excellent. I mean, the Korean landscape would be such a great place, especially r- rural Korea. It's such a great place to, to shoot a movie. Yeah, definitely. Because a lot of the villages just like built on like hilly type areas. Yeah, it's such a strange film, but it's just it's it's just great. And and, and then like the ending sort of hints that the shaman was also a demon because he he too had like a like a a chest full of pictures. Wow. Right. Such a is yeah. it a long movie? It, it is very it's it's quite long. It's two hours and forty minutes, oh, but wow. it's not like it's the, the movie. Is it? 
Sorry, yeah, it's, it's a long haul, but like it, the movie grasps the interest because it it's, it slowly progresses from detective film. It's, it's always a mystery movie, detective film, then possession film, and then it turns into all out supernatural. And it's got these crazy sequences where like you got like a shaman, you got shamans just you know doing their rituals, and it's cut in between like uh, the Korean, the Buddhist sh- um, shaman, and the the Japanese guy. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a it's a crazy film, but it's it's great. Right. It's really enjoyable and it's very well made. All right, well, I better give that a look. Yeah. Um, uh, what did we get through? We were up to number three on our list. So my, my third favourite movie of 2016 is, even though it's gotten a lot of critical praise, it's I still feel that this movie is underrated and not enough people are talking about it come awards season. Mm-hmm. And that would be Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Hacksaw Ridge is one of the... I, I think it's probably one of the best... Definitely one of the best war films ever made. Like, it's up there with, like, Saving Private Ryan and Paths of Glory and, like, all those nice. really, really great... I mean, a lot of people probably just look down on this and just be like, oh, it's Mel yeah. Gibson. Mel Gibson's making it. And, mm. like, tell me what you will about Mel Gibson. Look, I completely... I think the stuff that he's said in the past has been completely... Like, it's nuts. Yeah, the well, I mean, said. the man's fucking insane, but, like, you know, separate the man from his work. Yeah, oh, but his work is fantastic. Yeah. Like, the uh, Passion of the Christ, maybe not. That was just Christian yeah. propaganda piece. But, Shit. <laughs> but Apocalypto, like, all it, these other po- movies. I mean, I know these movies tend to be very historically inaccurate, but, like, mm. from a filmmaking point of view, they're, they're quite well made. Yeah. I find, at, at and, least. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of his films, but, I mean, I, I could... And my what he's doing, especially, you know, actor turned director, he's, he's, he's probably one of the most successful. Oh, yeah. He's up there, with, like, probably with, like, up there with, like, Ron Howard in, like, most yeah. successful kind of things. But, yeah, but Hacksaw Ridge was just one of the most brutal, like, gut-wrenching movies that I've ever seen. Like, it starts out, the first half of this movie is Andrew Garfield, like, he wants to fight for his country. Like and like, it's also it's also mixed in with like him at military camp with um and he but then he's a very religious man and he refuses to hold a gun. He refuses to carry a gun because like it's quite noble of him. Yeah, it's very noble. He was a what do they call it? It was um like a pacifist. Yeah, he was a pacifist, but like there's an actual name for it. It was um a conscientious observe um objector. That was so he wanted to do that, and then the first half of the movie is like him falling in love with this this nurse who's who's at, like, the military base, and then also, like, him fighting against, like, the army, like, saying, hey, I refuse to touch a gun, I don't want to kill, I want to be... Like, that's against my beliefs and all that kind of stuff. And, look, usually Christian films, they're really kind of shove it down your throat. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very... They, they with tend, their message. Like, if you have a look at, like, the God, like, God's Not Dead and, like, any movie yeah, by, like... That's or, like, just or, like, a Kirk Cameron movie, movie. Or, like... Like, religious movies are, for the most part, pretty shit. But like oh, when a movie, like when a movie about <laughs> religion and faith, like, and they do it right, and it's not really preachy as hell. Like movies, like I oh, crap, I just had one. Like, well, one of the movies, my number one movie that I'll get to in a second. It's you could say that it's about religion and faith, but this movie and also Life of Pi. Like, I'm not a religious person, but I thought yeah, Life, Life of, of Pi is more of a spiritual movie. I find yeah, those but, kind mm, of movies. Yeah, but then it's also there's a religious mm. aspect to yeah, life as well, and through. it's not shoved down your throat mm. like kind of like it's going to convert you to Christianity after you watch it. 
Or... Yeah, no, not at all. No, but yeah, this movie. And that's what I. That's what I really enjoyed about this movie. It was. It was a film about religion and about faith without being too preachy. And also, but as a war film, what does it say about war? Like, so I the heard second this is film, a anti-war film is that this, right? It's you could see it as an anti-war film. There is a brutal. Really, really brutal, bloody, realistic scenes. Well, like, like the, the line, amount of people the, being just blown up, people being blown gore up, everywhere. gore everywhere. Um, a lot of people die from flamethrower, which is hmm. fucking hot. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a horrible it's way. Horrifying. To die. I mean, well, the smell of burning flesh is one of the worst also, smells I've ever yeah, heard. And then you, by a, a person, smell that you've heard. Oh, I mean, I've heard from someone <laughs> that the smell, of, the smell of burning flesh is the worst thing. <laughs> That you can ever smell. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably the scream would be one of the worst oh things to hear God. as well. Uh, <laughs> the movie wailing. is just... And also, the true story of Desmond Doss. It's absolutely unbelievable. Like, you know, what he did at the Battle of Okinawa in... At the Battle of Okinawa in Hacksaw Ridge was absolutely incredible and an, a, just a selfless act of courage mm. that, like, he's an American... He's an American yeah, hero. He put himself in the line to save others. Yeah, he did. And... Far out, Andrew Garfield. Just I, I haven't look. I haven't seen Manchester by the Sea. I don't know how good Casey Affleck is. I mean, it looks. But he looks like rega- regardless. Just give fucking Andrew Garfield the Oscar. He deserves it. I don't know. Sure, I mean, Casey Affleck so, was really good in Manchester he, by the Sea. Andrew Garfield in this movie is so so good. Like I, I've seen him as just Spider Man. Yeah. And like that, the guy from the the awkward guy from the Social Network, but. Oh god, it's it's like a movie that like will get him. At least he's getting into more like, serious more roles. More serious roles, yeah. Like I didn't see that real estate movie he was in with Michael Shannon, the Ninety Nine Homes. I heard he was good in that as well. Mm. But like, yeah. But Andrew Garfield in this movie is amazing. Just blew me away with how good he is. And also another really surprising, another really surprising performance in this movie is Vince Vaughn. He he plays the drill sergeant at the at the military camp, yeah. and it was really really interesting to see Vince Vaughn do a dramatic role and play like, does he Vin- Vince Vaughn plays well? a dick oh he does like you know Vince Vaughn is like the schlubby kind of party, go- yeah, party dude that yeah. he plays and everything to see him as like a pissed off drilling sergeant drill sergeant that like it was so he's he was brutal so, like so drill shot sergeant from Full Metal Jacket uh, not, not quite on that level but like cause that's hilarious yeah but he wasn't funny though he was more like serious oh, and there's like a yeah. guy that you'd be like you'd be terrified of like and so it, the stuff that was coming out of his mouth wasn't really humorous mm. just flat out like brutal insulting yeah. it had it had a really profound impact on me this movie like it is it, it is, sounds it like is it hard to get through like not because it's like the violence is really realistic and just but maybe said, more so on an emotional level, I guess. Oh, on an emotional level, it will break. You. It it might break you on an emotional level. It's really, it's a tough watch, but it's well worth it if you can get through it. It is absolutely amazing. All right, your number three or another one of your uh, favorite movies? Yeah, I guess I'm down to two more. Oh, Remember, okay. all the ones that I said are in no particular order. Now the second one, uh, The Handmaiden. The Handmaiden. I yeah. think I've heard of this. Is the Korean film? Yeah, it's a Korean it film. Park Chan Wook. This one. Yes, yes. Director of Old Boy. Boy. Lucy. Uh, so The Handmaiden. Yes. Um, well, I, I knew nothing about this movie before I watched it. To be completely honest, so I was like really shocked to see that it was like this really weird. Yeah, because it's like a it's like a Korean and Japanese co-production, isn't it? Yeah. It. it well, yeah. It definitely is. I mean. They switch between languages of Korean and Japanese in the film. 
Um, yes. So what's it about? Um, oh, what's it about? Well, there's sort of like a... Oh, fuck, how, how do I explain it? Uh, well, the film starts off with... Um, like, it introduces you to its protagonist being um, this uh, poor, uh, poverty-stricken Korean woman that, you know, she's like tending to orphans and stuff. And, yeah. like, a relative of hers, um, I think it's her cousin, She he's, he's trying to find, like, someone that could help him out in this con that he's trying to pull on this, uh, this wealthy uh, Korean, like, uh, woman. I think she's, like, of, of nobility rank, oh, right, yeah. I guess. Or she's of a wealthy family, at least. So, she, so the man wants the protagonist to play as, like, his spy. Oh, okay. Really. Um, or he's like confidant or something like that so that's that's what she ends up doing in the film and so the film ends up playing out like with uh, the protagonist you know she's spending time with uh, her target and he's trying to fall in love with her that's why he wants her to spy on her wow, okay. and, and then as soon as they get married he wants to just uh, claim that she's insane put her into the Jeez. mental ward and just take all her money but as soon as as soon as that's about to happen, the film just... There's just a huge twist, and it just, like, flips... The film just flips itself on its head. Like, um, the person that ends up being sent to the mental ward is actually um, the guy's partner, the protagonist. And and then... But then you turn it, that's all part of their plan, because oh, okay. what they're trying to do is they're trying to get this... Um, or what the, the three of them are trying to do, they're trying to get this... Uh, Korean uh, woman, uh, noble woman, away from her her uncle, who's this really strange, perverted. He's basically a huge weeaboo. He loves oh, Japan sh- to the point where he's really into their hentai erotica type <laughs> stuff. And the movie right. gets so bizarre. Like when it shows scenes from the past, where he gets his 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 little uh, niece to read out like Japanese erotica. Oh god! It's and it gets really strange Weird. and yeah, gra- grabs out wooden dolls. He's, he's, de- the, he's not, a huge weirdo. Definitely not safe for it's, work. That's not either. a movie to watch with grandma. No, <laughs> that the def- that I could definitely say. But yeah, it's still a great film. It's shot. It's shot really well. Uh, um, should I tell the ending? Uh, guess not. But uh, yeah, just I'll, I'll just I'll just leave leave it at that for the story. It's a, it's a, it's very it's very well written. I mean, mm. I, I think for the most part the acting is quite good, quite convincing. Mm. Sometimes it gets a it gets a little bit it's a little overdone oh, times. Okay. But yeah, you know, as I said, for the most part it's good. So it's not it's it's, it's bearable. But yeah. I mean, this movie looks brilliant. Uh, I mean, the cinematography is just great, and the editing's great. Like the the, the things are fun with these Korean movies. The the, the camera work is very steady, which I just love. Yeah. Oh, it's got such a relief from awesome. watching. I, I got to watch these, but this is another one that's like two hours and forty five minutes long too. Yeah, or well, not forty five. Uh, it's over two hours. I don't know exactly how long it goes for. It's definitely over two yeah. hours. It's it's an interesting watch. I mean, if if you can, you know, watch past all the erotica. Because I forget to mention that, like, um, even though this man is trying to, uh, like, you know, woo this woman and, you know, steal all her money, the protagonist ends up falling in love with her. Oh, and there's, like, some strange, like, blue is the warmest color, lesbian sex oh. type stuff, which is quite graphic. All right. So, you know, I'll warn you about that. Okay. All right, well that sounds interesting. I really like. I keep. I, I miss out on a lot of foreign movies because well, I don't know what. Well, to you find can't them. be bothered to watch oh, read maybe, subtitles. Yeah, oh, I hate subtitles. I'm gonna read as well. <laughs> I prefer dub. 
<laughs> the dub. English dub, please. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't. I can't keep up with reading. I have to read. <laughs> I, I, I came to watch a movie, not go to school. Yeah, no. Um, they're just they're hard to find. Like I don't know I where don't, to look. I, I don't. I don't find them hard to find. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it might be hard to find like a copy of, of a film. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, depending where you're looking with like good subs. All right, my number. T- thanks for sharing that. That sounds really good. My yes. number two is a comedy. Actually, um, rarely does a, f- a comedy make my list in any of them because comedies these days are really shit. Yeah, they usually but are. But not. But not when Shane Black makes them because. Oh yeah. Honestly. Lethal Weapon, The Last Boy Scout, he knows how to Kiss write Kiss Bang Bang, comedy. Kiss 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 Bang Bang, and now the Nice Guys. He, he's he's the, very good. He's with the king. Humor. He's the king of buddy cop slash detective films. And yeah, as mentioned, my number two movie for this year is The Nice Guys. Easily the funniest film of the year. And such great. I would never. I never in a million years would I have picked Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe as a good on-screen pair. Yeah, I reckon. But, oh my god, they work they, off they, each they other work, so well. Yeah, they work off each other quite well. I mean, I don't like as much as you did, but I, I still enjoyed the film. I think it's quite good. Uh, it's it's a, it's a relief to watch a film that's so different. Like it feels like it should have been made in like. Yeah, it feels the 90s. like it feels like a movie from like a, the bygone era. Yeah. And, and Jane Black has wanted this to make this movie for years. Like he, I think he wrote this around the same time. And as it's Kiss, quite Kiss, funny how they mentioned the killer bees. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, that was a. That was I mean, hilarious. Shane Black just must get like with his buddy cop pairings. Like you just like yeah, get Mel Gibson and Donald, Don, um, not Donald Glover, yeah. Danny Glover together and see what happens there. Yeah, and like you wouldn't expect those two together. Yeah, but they play and then, each other quite and then well. also get Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. Yeah, you wouldn't expect them two to work together as well. But then, oh yeah, Ryan Gosling. Like I, I after seeing movies like Drive and like yeah, you think like that he, Blue or, Valentine and The Place Beyond the Pines and all these yeah, kinds well, of movies. Only God forgives. You think that he doesn't do much more than just stare at him blankly. He is. <laughs> Yeah, and and it was, like he's a very serious dramatic actor. Mm. He's got good comedic chops. He's mm. very, he's so funny. He has some great, great physical comedy in this. Yeah, oh, I and quite he's like. He's good his at playing just like a bumbling fucking idiot. idiot. But you know, a character that I like a lot in the movie was his daughter. Oh, I his she was daughter, hilarious. She was the standout. She, she definitely yeah. was the standout. Yeah. She seemed to have the most character yeah. charm. So yeah, fifteen year old, I think fifteen or sixteen year old Australian actress Anne Gary Rice, who I like. She, she was, was fucking so spectacular funny. in this movie. She would say so much. Like, she, what's what's she the rib to, job, daddy? Yeah, she, she was able to hold her own against Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. And yeah, she was oh, fantastic uh, in, in this. In my eyes, I think she was but the real is, star. Yeah, 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 this is a star-making performance mm. for her. Like, she's like she's in a lot of stuff. Like, Not she's saying in, that like the other two weren't great. Mm. Like, you know, Russell Crowe is kind of... His character's a little generic as, you know, just yeah, the muscle he's, he's, man. He's, he's but, he, muscle. but, like, at least he wasn't, like, you know, a complete fool. Mm. Like, his character... His oh, muscle man character... They were both idiots, but they were both smart in their own right. Yeah. Like, he was a decent detective at certain aspects. Russell Crowe's character really reminded me of his character in um, L.A. Confidential. Oh, well, I haven't seen L.A. Confidential, yeah. so... But, like, not as aggressive yeah. as he... Yeah, but just getting back to Angari Rice... She was amazing in that movie, mm. and now like she's getting a whole bunch of roles now. Like she's yeah, in, great. she's in that new um, Australian film Jasper Jones, or like the adaptation of the book Jasper Jones, and mm. she's actually been cast in Spider Man Homecoming as well. Oh, well, that's good so, for her. Yeah, and 
And God, her American accent is so good. Yeah. And like, I, I, I didn't know she was Australian until after I saw the yeah, film. Yeah, well, and then I, um, I, I thought I saw her somewhere before. She, did you see These Final Hours? No. Nah. She was the little girl that... Um, oh, yeah, told ...trying me to rescue. That. And God, as a child actor in that movie, she was really, really, really good. Yep, big things ahead of her. She's easily probably one of the best young actresses working at the moment. Can't wait to see what she does next. And the nice guys just... They just don't make enough movies like this anymore. Yeah, they don't make them like this anymore. They just don't. Ugh, Shane, then Shane Black just came out and said that he could do... Like, this movie didn't do very well. It did, not I don't think it made money, actually. I think it broke... I think it lost money on the marketing budget, because I think it broke even at the, yeah. at the box office, but then, like, lost money for due to marketing. Which, which sucked. But, yeah. But Shane Black just came out and said that he can just do movies with these characters for the rest of his life. Nice. Like... Ever, we probably will never. I mean, get he's, he's kind of been doing it uh, for for a yeah. while, but the only problem is that like the the appeal for this kind of movie just isn't there. Oh well, I think it, I, it will be now. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm hoping so because the nice guys. This was my number one movie for a long time this year. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, nothing's going to beat that. Nothing will be as good as that until I saw my number one movie. But I'll get to that as soon as I hear your number one. We mentioned it oh, earlier, yes. so please elaborate more on what yes. your favorite movie. Your favorite movie, is. not even uh, live uh, live action, is the Red Turtle. I've heard it's a great. I movie. have heard nothing but great things about this. This is the first time Studio well, Ghibli have done a film outside of Japan. Yeah, they, Studio they teamed Jim, up Ghibli with a, teamed up with a, a um, Dutch Dutch company, company. Like and and director the Dutch guy the director I don't remember his name. But he, he, he made shorts, and one of his shorts won an Oscar. So they decide to to produce or um, back his an eighty minute feature that he would make, which he did with the, the Red Turtle. And gee, well, this really pays off. This this film is great. I wish Studio Ghibli would do more stuff like this. Because uh, I kind of get I, I kind of get sick of watching animated films because the style always looks the same. This is a real relief because. This yeah. film, like, it's just totally European animation. Like, yeah. the, oh, it, it just, it looks brilliant. It just... Yeah, from the clips and things I've seen. I saw the trailer. It looks it so... Looks it, it's so... Amazing. It's so nice to watch. And they have... They have these really nice long shots, lateral shots, all sorts of good um, editing and composition work. And in, in, the, in the... Out of, a, 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 like, a deserted island, they, they tend to get a, quite a bit of variety out of... Uh, their scenery, which is really good, and the film, yeah, it's it's really simple and and like you know the story's basically, uh, I'll, I'll just go through it really quickly. Um, a guy becomes stranded on a deserted island. He tries to escape by making a raft and sailing out to sea. Except every time he does that, um, his raft becomes destroyed by a red turtle. And this red turtle one day decides to walk along the beach. He ends up killing the red turtle. And the and there's some surreal scene, um, dream sequences in the film, which is, which are quite nice too. He ends up killing the red turtle. The red turtle ends up transforming into a woman, which he yeah. then yeah, which he then has a child with, and that child actually ends up uh, setting off. It's no, it doesn't turn into a turtle. It's not like a turtle hybrid. It's like a, a boy with a shell. It's a yeah, mutant well, ninja there, there, turtle. There's a kid in China that had a like skin condition that like oh, he had this big Jesus thing on his back, and people called him Turtle Boy because <laughs> people are horrible. Anyway, continue. Yeah, well, um, yeah, they the, the couple have a son. They raise a son, and then you know, eventually, of course, he becomes a man, and he wants to set off the sea and explore the world on his own. He does that. Um, by 
he, he does that by traveling with turtles instead of a raft. I forgot to mention that um, earlier in the film, the stranded man, the deserted man, sees uh, like young turtles um, hatching from their eggs and then crawling out to the to sea. Right. Um, so that's where the turtles come from. It's not just a fucking random thing like, yeah. oh, we just found turtles. Um, yeah, and, and then after that happens, the, the couple grow old and the man dies and the woman turns back into a turtle and goes out to sea. So she, oh, I guess okay. she represents Mother Nature in a sense. Oh, that's cool. Which is really that's cool. really awesome. Yeah, it's like it's a simple it's a simple movie, but like oh, it's just it's so it's so nice to watch because it's so serene. Like it, it's yeah. it's just so nice to watch. Just just this nice movie where nothing really terrible happens, but you know it's still you know variation in emotion all that. But it's got like a very good uh, musical score yeah. to it. And um, people like some of the um, listeners like you probably um, have never heard of this movie. So in case you don't know, there is no dialogue. There's no dialogue. It's, it's fucking brilliant. It's, it's because it would make it more universal, wouldn't it? Yeah, kind of. It's it's like, it's actually so smart because they don't have to like. Because I don't know if, if they did have dialogue. I don't know if this they would don't have been just English have, like, or Dutch. They, they don't just have any like grunts or. They like, only have grunts. Or, like, they only have grunts. Is there laughter That's, or anything. Oh like that? yeah, there's laughter. Like there's there's no one for uh, people who they hide for the voice act. There's no names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no dialogue, which is they were planning to put dialogue in the movie. I'm so glad they didn't because mm. like they, they do such a good job of just conveying like. You know, emotion, character emotion, through their, through and they, they can animated. translate to each other so well without dialogue. It's it's really good, it's, yeah. and it makes a lot of sense it really too. Because makes... like, like, come on, if you think about, you know, yeah, you know, the guy, I guess he could talk to himself, but you know, and films are visual, visual medium. Yeah, it's a visual well, medium, so, so like, this works so well. If you film, can use but, it, you might but it's as well. so smart because like. Do you think this guy tried to talk to a fucking woman that turned into a like she was a turtle and she tw- turns into a woman? I don't, don't would, think she can understand language. What would... Yeah, what would she? What would they even say? So it's just and, and it's so nice just to see them like you know just translate just through f- through motion and yeah the movie does a really good job of showing like you know the cycle of life um, with with how like parents would foster the child and then it would eventually grow up and yeah. make its own way in, out in the world. All right, well, the, yeah. All right, no, I, need, I need to find out when the DVD release for this is. Cause yeah, I re- like I really like I really want to see this. This is movie. definitely this is definitely worth watching and also worth buying. It, it is great. Yep. It, even like if you like, would it be a good movie? Like if you were at JB Hi-Fi and they had all the display TVs, do you think this would be like the perfect movie to put? Oh, on this would be perfect to put on. I mean, this film is actually quite. It's quite deep for such a simple film. It's like. It's, it's, it's a lot more subtle, I find, when it comes mm. to its philosophical approach. It's more like... Of a, yeah, I think the quote the director said, like, you, we wanted this film to be more a celebration of life and nature than to, yeah. to convey any, like, you know, serious, uh, you know, pensive question or, you know, have some serious underlying message. Which is, you know, quite a relief, I find, just to have a movie that's so different than all that from the rest of the movies that came out. Yeah, especially an animated made. one too. Especially an animated one that's funded by Studio Ghibli, which is so strange that they mm. they wanted this foreign uh, non-anime style film to be made, and I think it made money too, or I hope it did. Well, I think it's only just coming out in America now. I think it was um like limited to qualify yeah. for Oscars and things like that, but I think oh, it goes out yeah. like in national like 
limited release in the US, I think, this weekend, I think. It hasn't got much coverage, so I think no, it's, it's, no, it's it really have... underlooked, which is un- unfortunate, because it's, it's a great film. All right, well, as I said, I can't wait to see it. Now that it's got your stamp of approval, I'm yeah. absolutely I'm pumped to watch this. All right, well, uh, we've nearly hit the two-hour mark, so I think that we're, we might actually, for the worst movies, we're going to do a separate episode for that one, because yep, we've just hit the two-hour mark. What about your number one? I'm getting to that right now, so if you want to hear our worst ones, check out the next episode, and we're going to finish this with my favourite movie of 2016. So, as, as previously mentioned, sci-fi films, especially smart... I think with sci-fi recently, what I've noticed, low-budget sci-fi has been the mm. best in sci-fi recently. Low-budget low sci-fi, they actually try to make some kind yeah, of because, plot... That- yeah, they're restricted from what they can do, which mm. allows for more creativity. It's like, not like, like it's not like blockbuster. Jupiter Ascending, where you, yeah. they like they give the Wachowskis like 175 million dollars yeah. to do whatever the fuck they want, and make a silly schlockfest of action. Yeah, and nonsense. exactly, and visual effects, um, and weird creatures, very questionable, and weird elephant men, and yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, what was it? Um, Shannon Tatum with wolf ears. Yeah, Shown Tame with Wolfies and, and they get uh, and ready. Goes, any and red man who's boots. a pretty good actor to act, make him act like a total buffoon. Like, yep. I create life <laughs> and I destroy it. Yeah, okay. But... My <laughs> okay, well, we're not talking about that piece of shit because one, that was a 2015 movie and two, it's a horrible and it's actually kind of a guilty pleasure movie of mine. But anyway. It's bad. Anyway, so, so, so recently in sci-fi, there has been the best parts of sci-fi have been in the low-budget sector. Like, one of my favourite movies of all time now is Predestination. That's a sci-fi movie. I mean, Primer's really good. And, and that's I'm an example. Primer, Micro-budget that film. for, like, $7,000. Yeah. And this one, I guess it's technically sci-fi just because of the themes, but it's more of, like, a suspense thriller. And it was a movie that I've wanted to see all year. One of the only films on this list that I did not see in the cinema because I, didn't, I, because I missed it, I had to wait... All, I had to wait until the Blu-ray release came out, bought it full price on Blu-ray for like $27, hoping that this movie would be good, and it blew me away. And that movie is Jeff Nichols' Midnight Special. This I've never been more engaged, more riveted by a movie than I did when I watched this. It's I've watched it three times now, and I'm yet to find a single flaw with this movie. It is almost as perfect as a movie can get. Oh, I you, don't know about that. Yeah, I like the, the film. It's a lot better. It blew my expectations because I didn't think that much of it, which, you know, for a film just to break my expectations is good enough. I really liked how it started off. Uh, I, I don't know. I find it quite questionable how it turns at the end, but, you know, it's still an enjoyable film to watch. still fine. Um... As Sean said, it's it's a it's a smarter science it's, fiction. It's not like stupid conflict and it's a very um you know stuff like that. It's not simple warfare type. It's it's and, a, it, yeah. it is it is still a very simple plot. Like yeah, overall, but the way they do it is so good. Yeah, and so original. And, and they the just drop really you right. Too. Yeah, they drop you just right in the middle yeah, of it. As the well. opening is very good in the movie. Yeah, it's it's vague, but like not enough. For, but, but not to the it's point sim- where it's like I don't know what it's the fuck's going like, on. It's similar to like um Hell or High Water. Like like while well, while. Well, as, as the movie's starting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're getting a rough idea of what's happening, and then it just happens. But like, and then, but because they because the direction and the the camera work is done so well, you know what's going on. And this is a this is a movie that actually respects their audience. They don't say everything that's happening. No, they they don't, don't explain everything. They make you not. Yeah, they leave some stuff open for interpretation, which is good for a science fiction film. 
Especially if you've ever seen 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah, and this, especially this movie, like, it got me, it hit some emotional nerve with me, this movie. I don't know how, but, like, the whole, like, themes of, like, family and, like, parenthood and, like, guess, like, letting go of, I think it's basically, it's essentially, I think, a metaphor for, like, letting go when your kids become adults. Yeah, I yeah, guess, or, like, I can when see they, that. It's, I can see that with its ending, yes, definitely. And, yeah, and, my, and, oh, the whole cast in this movie, Michael Shannon... Yeah, and the kid he's, actor was quite good too. And here's the thing, I've never seen... It's such a subdued film, but it's so... Like, it's so good. Yeah. Like, it's... in it, how subdued it is, like, it says a lot more. Like, it's not crazy no. sci-fi action. Even though it's like, got the simple plot. I mean, it's probably saying a lot more on, like, a I don't know, philosophical... Um, yeah, and it is point. a movie about faith and belief. And yeah, like yes. having And, I guess, trust, in a way. Yes, like, definitely. Yeah. Especially with that, like, religious fanatical group. That they yeah, and also with Joel Edgerton's character, how he's like, I don't believe... Like, because they've escaped... They've got this kid away from this cult, and, like, mm. this guy's a skeptic, and he's yeah. like, is this... What's with this kid? Like... Yeah, he's like, I don't know what to believe. I don't know yeah. what it is. And then, like, he starts to believe. Like, he sees what he can do. Mm. Like, I mean, the Christ... Like, I guess you can... There is a bit of Christ symbolism with this kid, possibly. Yeah. But it's not as blatant... it's not as blatant... As another movie we'll get to in this next episode. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, it's it's such a good movie, and even like even supporting characters, Adam Driver as this NSA guy is really really good. The young kid who was also in Saint Vincent, uh, who played Alton Meyer, the kid who's on the run, uh, Jaden Libera, I think his name is. He was like he was great in Saint Vincent, and he is so so good in Midnight Special. Yeah, he's and definitely even, good. This movie even got a good performance out of Kirsten Dunst. That itself is a miracle. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's... I, I can't say this... I can't praise this movie enough. Yeah, I can, I can definitely say this is probably that film that uh, people didn't expect much for, and it was a lot better than than what you yep. would expect from j- such j- a just, film. Just based on this movie alone, Jeff Nichols is becoming one of my favourite filmmakers. Look, I, I wasn't a big fan of Mud. I enjoyed Mud, but like it went on way too long, I thought. You never saw Mud. And um, I hear but, amazing things about Take Shelter. And his first movie, yeah, Shotgun Take Stories. Is very and good. his new movie, Loving, which also has Joel Edgerton in it, yeah. is getting a lot of awards buzz right now. Sadly, it does not come out in Australia until March. Loving I can't looks wait quite to good. see that. And yeah, Midnight Special. It's an incredible I mean, the guy's movie. got a pretty good track record, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, all these films are quite positively reviewed. Yeah, they are. And also, like, especially the emotional aspect, back to when, like, the, the parenting thing, like, this was. Jeff Nichols wrote this as a reflection on becoming a father and you can really see that with yeah, like character so, motivations and especially in Michael Shannon's character yeah so it's like a, a personal layer towards the film mm, it really does and for someone as I said it hit some emotional nerve with me and really really stuck with me and this is coming from someone who is not a parent who is definitely yeah. does not have kids who has actually never had a girlfriend yeah. either or anyone that really that I've really had to care about so it really Really, yeah, so it gets if it, if the film manages to get someone that doesn't yeah. know much about the, the subject matter to actually and relate also, to it, yeah, a movie that's loosely based on like religion and faith and like having trust in someone to yeah. someone who's a very fairly devout atheist, atheist. <laughs> someone who has very a- atheist beliefs, like that that itself that's an achievement in of itself. And again, like with the nice guys, this movie only had a budget of about fifteen million dollars. It didn't even make a third of that. Like it was a criminally criminally underseen movie, like. 
at the moment, it's in the two like the the DVD is in the two for twenty dollar bin at JB Hi-Fi at the moment. <laughs> please, please, it is worth it. Please buy it. I actually make this saw, a cult hit. There, there, there was the, uh, make there, sure it makes its money back in yes, DVD please. sales. Exactly, exactly. There was actually there's actually a, a local one of the local like vi- yeah lo- the, one of the local video stores one of the last video stores in my town is actually show, closing down now. I went in there yesterday and there was like five copies of Midnight Special just sitting on the shelves. I'm like, I want to just go to people. No, I've already got the Blu-ray, so I'm like, people, please buy this one. Buy this. It is an amazing, amazing movie. I love it so much. And it is very deservedly my number one movie of 2016. Well, that's gonna talk to you on a, on a deeper level, just like Red Turtle did for me, I guess, in mm. a sense. If a movie can have that kind of impact on you, like, and if the movie's well made and it can have that much of an emotional impact on you, then like, it's it's bound to be like yeah, one of your favorite. Yeah, makes sense. Like, that would be one of your favorite movies, as you say, mm. despite like what flaws it may have that you may not see. And also, something that I forgot to completely mention is the score. The score for Midnight Special is absolutely incredible. Yeah, like, it's quite, it is good, so, quite a good piano score. It's, euph- it's almost it's euphoric and really, really powerful. Like there's this, especially this track. I think on the it's called Truck Stop. It's when the, it's when they pull into the truck stop in the film, and then there's the ast- and then the ast- he, Elton makes the asteroid. Yeah, the, no, he, pulled, no, I think he, he makes a satellite, satellite down. Yeah, he, he pulls a satellite out of the sky, and the the music leading up to that is. Like it builds tension almost akin to like kind of what Jaws did, the Jaws theme did. And and but then mm, as soon I, as I guess. as soon as the satellite hits the ground, the music just stops. So the it has the music that builds up to the action sequence, but as soon as the action stops. Yeah, so happens, it knows when to play its yeah, music, it stops the it's music. Perfect. And the main theme it knows how to use silence. Yeah, and the main theme with the piano is just which is so good. something that I find that some, especially like big budget movies, have trouble with: know when to play music or mm. not, know when to, to have something silent. I guess like they don't even try if it's a you know a big budget actiony popcorn movie. But like yeah, I mean that's 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 something that yeah some filmmakers have to work on. Yeah, props to David Wingo. Like that was an amazing score, and for an amazing movie. Oop. That got on the recording. So good water. Good water. I think that's a pretty good note to end on. So thanks. We're, we're advertising. Uh, no, calls. no, 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 no. We're not. <laughs> don't, don't give them free sponsorship. But if um, if you are listening to this and you want to sponsor us, um, we'll probably do it. And if you and if you want to pay us, please, please uh, email me another bloody movie pod at gmail All right. Uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, if you're still listening, we've hit the two hour and ten minute mark. Uh, if you've made it this far, thank you for. Staying yeah, around. Thanks for watching. Thanks I mean, for watching. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Okay, thank thanks you. for smelling. All right, thank, thanks very much for Eric Tischer for joining me. Like, <laughs> I had to drive all the way out to his house to pick him up for this, so I got to drive him all yeah. the way back now. So, but I guess it was worth it. I mean, it we managed it. to stretch out this podcast it is for two hours it. a day. Uh, I've had a lot of fun making it, and hopefully, you've had a lot. Yeah, of fun I, I have too. Doing it. I mean, this, this is right. great. Um. Most podcasts work with people plugging stuff at the end, but you aren't famous or have any no. goals or aspirations in life, so you've got nothing to plug. So I'll just plug this podcast. So uh, subscribe to us on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. Give us a review. Uh, you can follow us on all our social media platforms. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at Another Bloody Movie Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Another Bloody Movie Pod. And you can also follow my personal Instagram at SeanHub underscore. That is S-E-A-N Hub underscore. And thanks very much for listening, guys. See you later.